So I was up until 5 a.m. playing D&D. Why the hell would you do you that call to that the yourself? Good life. That's called the Canadian dream. <laughs> That's the nerd dream, maybe. Uh, I have played, I counted, 27 hours of Dungeons & Dragons in the last, I'm not joking, three days. <laughs> and it's been the same campaign. Nice. Um, Miek is in town. For those of you who don't know, uh, we fit record, right? Yeah. All right. So, those of you who don't know, um, I honestly don't know when we're actually being recorded. I think Dan just follows me around to the boom mic half the time. I forget what month we're pretending it is. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. We're, we, Fair enough. I was actually just checking the date. Like, is this the one that's being Mary, released on my birthday? I'm like, Merry Christmas. And Dan's shaking his head. I'm no, like, oh, no, no. Oh, oh, we oh, Easter, oh, Easter, oh, Easter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So, I introduced my girlfriend. She's in town. Um... Uh, for the summer, which is absolutely fantastic because she's a teacher, right? So she has summers off. So she's come in, and, uh, and we've had a great time, but my entire life has now been taken over by D&D. The reason I'm not playing in any campaigns right now is because, oh, my girlfriend's in town. I don't want to take the time to DM. I don't know the prep time. I don't want to give up a day of... No, nope, no, nope, it doesn't matter. Well, she came to you and, and said, wanted to play. Right? Uh, yeah, I, I'm interested in this D&D thing that's taking up so much of your life. Tell me, Teach me a little bit. So we rolled up a level one tiefling sorcerer, oh. and she's just like... <laughs> Okay, so now what? And first of all, I'm playing a one-on-one campaign, yep. right? So um, the, I have one quarter or, or 20 to 25% of a party, which makes it super deadly. right? I'm so glad that there are CR quarter yeah. enemies out there. But I threw a Bollywog because we just did an episode on Bollywogs, right? Yeah. Not long ago. And I'm like, Bollywogs? Ah, well, through a swamp. You know, you're always... You meet in a tavern. Well, I don't have a party to meet, so we're going to be on the open road. Meet a singles bar. Yeah. <laughs> You're walking down the street, when Right? And so, and that's that's really how we started. We came up with a backstory. She did a little bit of research on devils and shit like that. And then a Bullywug showed up and nearly murdered her in the first hit. And I'm, my God. If you're going to roll a one-on-one campaign, don't choose one of the two classes that is a D6 hit die. Yeah. Fuck. It was, I'm like, this is just the shortest campaign to ever exist. <laughs> so, but, uh, it, like, it was legitimately ridiculous for the first little bit. Um, she was nearly killed by a giant toad. <laughs> yeah. And, and What level is she now? Uh, three. She's about to, to hit uh, level She leveled four. up three times in two hours. <laughs> uh, but it's been super rewarding to see her because she's a new player. I, I, I gotta say, I love DMing for new players. Mm-hmm. It's so much fun. I do too. I it's do too. so eager and interested and you're like oh there's a there's an elf that walks up with black skin and shock white hair and they're like oh my god what kind of elf is this yeah it's that wonder right that wonder whereas dan i love dan as though he was my own child but i'm older than you dan's balding child don't make them think dan but you're the youngest one in the room dan's seen it don't you forget it dan's seen it all i have farts that are older stop so there's no wonder right yeah. But that wonder you get with new players, well, you're right. They're like, what the hell is this? And yeah, and I'm not kidding. I have to stop and explain. I'm like, oh, uh, I, I keep saying, yes, this, this, uh, she's got a dwarf named Vargas, right? And, uh, uh and a, it, it's like a reincarnation. R.I.P. Vargas. Uh, and, and a, and a gnome. And she keeps getting them backwards. She doesn't know that there's between a, a dwarf and a gnome. Nobody and I, does. And I finally had to, like, start Googling pictures and being like, this is a dwarf, this is a gnome. And she could get them. You know in Lord of the Rings, she says, no? Okay. All right. Stop everything. We've got to sit down for 12 hours and watch a movie. <laughs> but uh, and then we'll come back to it. Yeah. But it's funny because I wake up in the morning and I'm like, 
Uh, she's working on a master's degree, right? So she's like, I've got a little bit of homework to do. I'm like, that's good. I've still got job hunting and stuff to work on. And and so I'm like, what do you want to do in the afternoon? Adam's or in the an evening? assassin, by the way, is what he meant by that. We'll go on. <laughs> um, and, and she turns to me and I'm like, do you want to go to a movie? Do you want to go? We'll call a couple friends and go out for a coffee. She's like, do you want to play D&D? I was thinking last night while you were asleep that, the two, that my character bumped into this NPC and I'm absolutely loving it. She's got a party of like... 12 NPCs that are like half level just collecting followers yeah yeah like like you do in D&D it's yeah. just I kind of built a party around her and she's picking and choosing who's coming with on different missions and and it is a load of fun she just had her first NPC die oh. and she's what happened we held a funeral she openly wept she legitimately cried I was like and I sound horrible because I made my girlfriend cry and I'm happy about it. Yeah. But it was so rewarding as a dungeon master Power, to have that amount of of um, invest uh, like invested player um, uh, interaction. It's and great. It's it's fantastic. We just every once in a while when we know that we're going to get into something role play heavy, I get her to grab her dice or all her d twenties in her dice box, and we go over to the couch and we talk. And every time she tries to do so, oh, roll a persuasion, she rolls one. And we just sit on the couch and talk in character. She's got no acting background. She has no role playing background. Awesome, it, it's the well, single she, she, thing. she came to town this year. Um, no spoilers now. Completely green. Oh, on role playing. On role playing yeah. and D and D and all that stuff. Yeah, and so and she it's funny because uh, when I first started talking to her, uh, I had just joined the the group with you, Terry. Like. Four months before that, right, and we were meeting like once every two weeks and stuff. And I'm like, do I do I tell her that I do Dungeons and Dragons? Is do do I like do I come out of the nerd closet for this one, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. she uh, and I told her, and she's like, I don't understand, but you go have fun. And then it became a weekly thing, and now it's ten hours a day. And I also have Tuesday groups. I'm doing a podcast, and she goes, I'm starting to hate Dungeons and Dragons. And I don't even know what it is. <laughs> so now she's like, "What day of the week is our campaign going to be on?" When I go home, because we're going to like video. Shit, that's such Roll a good 20. idea. Roll twenty. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm looking forward that's to it. That's such a great idea. So it's uh, it's fantastic. I legitimately, I've got one, two, three campaigns on hold, and now I'm sitting here going, I, I'm spinning up a fourth. Dungeons and Dragons is my life, and I just goddamn need to get paid for it. <laughs> I feel you, man. Both I love that, man. That's that's awesome. But you're right. Playing with new players is the best because that that wonder that's there. And and when you say something like the 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 large jackal looking person turns around and speaks, there's that wonder of like the first time they're introduced to like a tabaxi or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Instead of the veteran player, which we can't help that we become veteran players, going. Uh, it wouldn't actually happen that way. And you're like, shut the fuck up, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. It's like, why is the Durgar out uh, while the sun is up? They don't like on that. No, yeah, don't. and so, but it's also given me a lot of uh, a lot of fun opportunities to do things like the drow woman that she met um, has such an intense sunlight sensitivity that she was near a, a recent explosion that happened in one of the encounters. And uh, she just got too close to it that her skin started to burn like a severe sunburn. Wow. Right? And she's all scarred. This drow woman is now scarred up and has to be under a shroud when she's walking around in daylight now. And, like, I, I never would have had the opportunity to do this stuff if I wasn't sitting there trying to explain why the, the black-skinned elf is not out during the day yeah right and it's like it's been a load of fun also like 
she's run into a couple of NPCs that have double-crossed her now, but she still hasn't gotten to the point where it's a new NPC, I'm going to shank it and, and move on. Yeah. She <laughs> It'll come. Hover. It'll come. Yeah. So, I don't know, man. I'm freaking absolutely loving it, and I'm as much as I'm excited to go all the way through the campaign with her, I don't want her to get to level 12. I want it to stay low level because it's fun and interesting and new and I don't know. It's you know a, what? And I think I think uh, you just remind me of something or give me an idea that if something we could do is you can you can have a social contract where it's like, look, we'll play this campaign for this long, but we're capping it at level five. I we're going to stay here. I always thought that, that... We want it to be deadly. That a level eight as a max is a great place to just stop leveling. And you don't get any more abilities. But you don't get any more hit points. I'm still a fan of the encounters cr- gradually getting harder, though. Well, you, what you do is you you uh, you defeat power creep by giving items and boons and 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 allies and allies. And, yeah, yeah. That you know what? That's a phenomenal idea. Is capping it at level, compensating for that with with allies, items, followers, mm-hmm. all that stuff, and then you can still increase the difficulty of the encounters. But you have that that higher level of difficulty. Yeah. Well, what level is uh, your standard everyday beholder? Uh, it's a CR8. 13? Is it, eight. Or is it 8? CR8? It's 8. Well, yeah. What level is your... Uh, but, it, but it should be more. than It runs as higher than 8, right? Right. And then you are going to be terrified by things. Like, if you come across a Baylor, there is 100% no chance you are going to even think about it. Whereas if you're a level 15, you might think about fighting a Baylor. But if it gets summoned... In a courtyard where there's a, a load of town guards and archers and stuff on the walls, and you have a level eight party, but they're rallying the troops around using the, the, the castle economy mage. is, is yeah. in your you know it can still be incredibly but, fun. But I, I like the idea of also like you know that there's a Baylor in the next kingdom over, and you and it is gaining power, and you, there's been a prophecy in the next month it's going to break free. You know the date. What are you going to do to gain the power, the allies, the items? Exactly. And now all of these side quests are to, to actually... So you can cap it at level 8. And then you get to play that chess game of where combat is, is truly important about where you finish your turn. Where yeah. are you? Where is your body's, your physical and, body and at your, the end of your, your turn? And your role play matters so much more because you're in this for the long term, right? You're not here to hit level 20, finish the campaign next. You could play from, all right, you know how everybody's a level or is an 18-year-old yeah. beautiful adventurer when they start off at level one, yeah, right? And then by the time they hit level 20, they're 19. It's yeah. like, we, <laughs> right. we always we always joke around that like, I uh, and like drop the fact that I've been playing this game for many, many, many years. I've never had that one campaign that lasts multiple years throughout the long stretch of things. Like, I think the longest campaign I've ever had was two and a bit years. I think... I and, honestly, sorry, Dan. And, and um, I find it fascinating when I, like, watch these shows, watch these documentaries of these guys who have, like, um, the same group of D&D nerds. They're, in their, they're all in their late 50s now, and they've all been playing the same campaign since their early teens. And I'm like... How have like you're playing a weekly game for forty years? Pardon? Yeah. And and it's not so much like I'm I'm stunned into astonishment, but at the same time, I want to know what the beats were. Like I want to <laughs> know me. how what the leveling process is, right? Like I want to know how thick that DM binder is. Oh, right? God, how, how, when did you hit level twenty and how long has it been? Right? How do you handle a change in addition? Do you continue? Do you keep going? These are all things that I'm just like, I want to sit these nerds down and be like, hey, I think you, I think Elder you, Nerd, 
Please impart I, your I, wisdom I, upon I, me. I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember who it was. I want to say it was Closet Gamer. I don't think I got that right. There's someone on Instagram that I was talking to. I recognize uh, that handle. Yeah, or uh, I think he, he's still playing Second Edition. Or it's uh, Alexander and other Skip Davis who gave us a bunch of questions. Yeah. Um, and he gave us the uh, the no, 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 Nuoi or whatever it is. Uh, no. The Nawonian Ghoul yep. question, remember, right? Yeah. In the mailbag, first mailbag episode. Um, and he's still playing second edition. And that one is, how do you use this thing from original D&D, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm really... I, I guess these guys are playing their old campaigns and they're never moving on to anything new. Mm-hmm. And I don't blame them for not moving into the third edition. Yeah. Third edition was fucking bonkers. I don't blame them for not do, doing fourth edition because it was horseshit. It had some good things. It, it, it was a, a it game designed Dungeons and Dragons. It was a game designed for a very specific type of Dungeons and Dragons. I say roll in and out of players. You know we talked about before about. Oh, what are the ways that players, or sorry, characters can be removed from the game without dying? Whether they retire, Locky finds his daughter, goes home, whatever. But if you're staying in the same world in the same campaign, I, so I'm imagining now my character Titus, and then we discover that his daughter Kara was alive. Me as the player rolling onto that character, Titus is still alive out there somewhere. Should we ever go back to that town, I can maybe pop back into that character. Whatever you know, yeah. it'd be in agreement with the DM, so you can move in and out based on what's happening in the world. I was so expansive after ten years or whatever. I, I always wanted to do a West Marches style thing where you have your your five or six people sitting around the table, and everybody has five characters that they have, and you say, "Look, this week we've got to go over here, and we've got to exterminate this the bandits." Right? Which characters are going? Every we have. 24 characters in the guild this only ever takes five at a time so who are you guys picking yeah and then you say you know what we're going i know it's a fireish thing so i'm going to grab my Very final water fantasy bender. style right yeah. yeah and so you're all choosing and and then everyone's well and you can track experience points then so some will level and others won't and then there's like oh hey i need tier two uh, i need a tier two party to come do this or a, a level eight party to come over yeah. here and help and then you can uh, you know you find this giant magical glowing great axe nobody uses one but hey doesn't your character the bar- the barbarian use a great axe we, we, we can get this back to yeah. them and like now it matters and an npc can meet one character and not another and there could be you yourself terry could have four different uh, characters that all have different opinions of yeah of different NPCs. This sounds fun and immersive it's, to me, and nobody's doing it. So Everyone's playing their standard D&D critical role level campaign. It's not about the levels. It's not. So we, you could cap it at level 8. I'm just going to stick with that idea. And I would still play for yours based on just how we're still getting our rewards. It's based on how you're getting your rewards. You know, you could do like, okay, I keep looking at this Star Wars poster over here. and, and Okay, so the, the Rebel Alliance, right? Okay, there's something going on over on this planet. So for two months real time, we're going to deal with these five characters over here and do this. We come to a huge cliffhanger. Boom. But at the same time, something was going on on this planet. So now we're going to yeah. five characters over here. We'll come back to this in two in two months real get, uh, real time. And Absolutely. Those, so then you have huge cliffhangers everywhere for your campaign. Well, and, and what you do is you you throw in one shots, you throw in five shots, you throw in. Oh, you you, you murder the party. There's an explosion. Nobody makes a save. The, the castle crumbles down on top of everybody. All of those characters are dead. You got a TPK, and then 
Six months later, there's a new party that goes into a dungeon and finds all of these people alive and chained up in the yep. dungeon and, you know, ready to be tortured. And now you're rescuing your old... Think of the emotional payoff. Yeah. Yep. And, like, playing with a new player in a solo campaign has just, like, sparked my imagination, my passion for this. Yeah. Cool. And I think there are different ways to play D&D besides you meet the party in the tavern. I, and we all need to start thinking outside of the box. I... I it just, yeah, you, we can get we can get on a bigger scale now. Or two teams split up. Hey, when we send you the signal, that's when you do your thing. Speaking of bigger scales, what are we doing this week? Uh oh, shoot! Yeah, we actually got to finish this cold open. Yeah, oh, yeah, we got really ex- we got really excited. Oh I'm just God, looking at my so book going. Ideas. So, uh, uh, when are we going to start talking about dragons? There, I'll leave chance? it on this. One party says to the other, "We'll send you the signal. The signal never comes." Why not? You'll find out in two months when we go over to the other planet. When we're doing black dragons. Exactly. <laughs> okay, team. Uh, today, we're doing green dragons. Right. We're going to talk about everything green dragons. This was the longest cold open ever, so we'll get into the main details of this afterwards. But right now, let's roll that fat baseline. Welcome to It's a Mimic with your DMs, Adam, Dan, and Terry. Tonight, we're talking about green dragons. Who's excited about green dragons? I am. Oh, Adam is? Elves. Dan? Read ahead. Well, I have my own notes. I know, but like, they, they don't know. Like All elves. right, so green dragons, Terry? Yeah, we we're going to get to that. It's my job. Yeah, I'm the dungeon it's master. It's more of like a green dragon. Terry speak. Okay. Green dragons. Dog. First of all, I'm going to give you an overview and a little bit of lore and background information on green dragons. From there, I'll go into the traits and the mechanics of green dragons, and then we'll start to roll dice and give our own opinions on things, okay? How does that sound? It sounds like you have a solid handle on this, Terry. And I would like to sit here for the next hour and a half to two hours listening to you speak about Sure, okay. Occasionally, uh, Dan will cough and or interrupt you. <laughs> so, green dragons... Verde draconis. Fuck me. What did I say there? Two words? Jesus H. Christ on a bike. You keep this up, I'm a fucking roundhouse kick you. In the I, w- I would be welcome for a roundhouse kick just to see it from our just to see me try to just to see you try to do it I threatened it so many times Dan got to the point where I was like I don't actually think Terry can do it no I don't think he can okay green dragons let's talk environment typically we'll prefer um, thick forest and cooler environments um, with very tall thick impressive trees even the Feywild impressed them more than like uh, Dan you okay more than like jungles and bogs and things like that They're, they're, they're poisonous in nature in their breath weapon and they're known to be of the most deceptive and cunning dragons. So every dragon has its type of horde that they enjoy. The green dragons would prefer not just to take from you, not just to steal things, not just to claim things, but to either trick you into giving them something or to take something that you value because even though how big and strong and incredible they are, they're very petty in that they just want to know that you worked so hard and mastercrafted something and that they were able to take it from you. It's funny that they're that petty and they're that devious and yet they're still lawful evil. Yeah. Right? So uh, you'd think that that would line up nicely with chaotic evil, Mm -hmm. but this is, it almost feels a little bit like a like a devil with with an attitude problem. It is like yeah. that. It is like that. They're very petty considering really how impressive creatures they are. Uh, and, they, and they love intrigue and they they prefer to achieve their goals through guile, through guile and, and double dealing and kind of double crossing. And so we'll talk about this more later but I think this opens up a lot of um, a lot of incredible social encounters and how you can use dragons um, in, in political intrigue um, campaigns. Um, 
they are the uh, dragons that are among the most likely dragons to interfere with the humane societies uh, and cultures. They're not. They don't stay back and kind of in the shadows and hidden as much. They will actually interfere and fuck with you a yeah. little bit more uh, and try and take from you what's yours, your prized possessions. They also like to instill fear too, right? Like yeah. that's that's the other. I think that's the way of doing it. That's their their show of force. That's their showboating and their uh, their peacocking yeah. in a ways that they can do that <laughs> if they want to. Peacock. There there is, there is one green dragon in lore that is actually one of the uh, lords of Waterdeep. Pete's like dragon? runs a. Uh, I'm ignoring you. Uh, runs a guild of uh, thieves and bandits and uh, desperados out of out of Waterdeep and all to build uh, her name and build her wealth, right? What is her name? Uh, it's like 27 syllables long. All right. Like, All right. Um, I can find it out, though. Yeah, sure. You do you. Sure, you do. Uh, <laughs> with regards to terrain, um, do green dragons prefer uh, forest-like terrain with thick it's, vegetation? And they... Go ahead. It's Clogia matter. Wow. That no. Also known as Old Gnawbone. Old knob. They were both. Old I have knob. These are both two things that I was diagnosed with post Afghanistan. I think. <laughs> old knob. So it's it is for those for those uh, looking for a that's, that's uh, Wikipedia call a knob bone right there. Um, article. Go look up C L A U G I Y L I A M A T A R. Uh, I would say that's uh, let's say it's it's uh, cloggy leomatter. Cloggy leomatter. Cloge. Cloge Elia matter? The Maybe. internet is screaming at us. Yeah. Right now. But, uh, yeah. Uh, green dragon who uh, tries to influence Waterdeep and Neverwinter. All right. Okay. Okay. Anyway, because of the terrain that they fight, and they're, they're equally at, um, apt at fighting from flying as they are from the ground, and they will typically ha- uh, fight you from the cover of trees, from hidden behind contours of the earth, wooden obstacles, hills. They'll, they're kind of, they're not necessarily hunters like white dragons are that we discussed before. They're kind of in and out, in and out, um, almost like a big snake. They're really. ambushing. Yeah, right. ambushing. Yeah, yeah, they're using the cover and the terrain around them. Um, so they do prefer uh, forested hills and um, lairs that would be located maybe on the side of cliffs. But if they're in a very impressive forest and there's big thick, almost fair-like trees, they'll cut them down and make their own sort of entrance to their lair um, using their impressive trees as well, if nothing else is available for them. Um, as far as favored treasure goes, um, although they covet treasure like gold and gems and things that all dragons do, it's those master-crafted items they would covet. The, that, the dwarven armor or the elven bow, um, something which took a lot of work, a lot of magic and mastery to create. That's their prize that they can take that from you. This is a common thing with dragons, anybody, even giants, like anybody that, that like is trying to hoard items. We saw this a lot with the the Yugoloth, the Arcanoloth, the one that they wanted. Mm-hmm. They wanted to hoard things as well. Um, and it's it's more about the the prized magical crafted thing. And I feel like this is D and D the the designers giving the dungeon masters the ability to take that magic item from the party mm-hmm. and say. Here's a side quest. This guy came in, wrecked your shit, took your thing. Go get him. Yeah. Right? And so I, I feel like that's... There's not a lot enough of that just like, hey, here's a big bad guy that's going to beat you the fuck up, take your nonsense, and leave. Yeah. And now you got to... Go go now to the dragon's lair. You'll level up twice on the way there. That'll get us into tier three. Yeah. And now you can fight the, the adult dragon. Right? And it helps the DM select the right dragon as well. Air yeah. quotes. We talked about white dragons before where it was purely based on size. 
of the treasure of the hoard that they took. Yeah. The, the magic amulet worth 5,000 gold pieces were just littered and thrown off to the side because they were more impressed with the mundane fishing boat because it's bigger. Yeah. You know, yeah. whereas the green dragon is the master crafted items that they're fascinated yeah. with. So it, it helps you choose the, the right dragon for the, the plot hook in the campaign that you're running at the time. Yeah. It, it also likes to twist the wills of popular heroes and sentient beings to be its minions. Like, it, it loves... Um, a, a green dragon will love to completely subvert... S- subjugate. That's and subjugate. Yeah. Um, popular heroes, people of renown, yeah. bards, various things like that. Even po- entire populaces, like yeah. villages and towns and, and hordes of like goblin hordes. Change your way if they get that that whole what, kind of one bad day mentality we talked about before, where they'll just they'll just take great pleasure in, in, in changing your outlook. Yeah. But especially elves. More than anyone mm-hmm. else, they like to fuck with elves. Mm-hmm. Which makes sense. I mean, forest dwellers, right? Yep. Forest dwellers, but also like the the arcane bent to elves, the long livedness of them. Like, there's there's a lot for a uh, uh, megalomaniacal dragon to be attracted to, twist and fuck up, mm-hmm. right? And elves tend to be lawful, good, neutral, good. Depending on what else may be chaotic good, but still, like, they're, they're, they're all in the good spectrum. So, like, there's just so much yummy material for a green dragon to fuck with. Uh-huh. How about this? Because I always love to hear what happens when a, when a dragon dies. The environmental diffusion of a deceased green dragon results in an area of lush, beautiful, and deadly plant growth. Uh, grasses, trees, and other vegetation, nearly all of them poisonous, grow swiftly to abnormally large size. These areas also touch on the Feywild more often than they do other parts of woodlands. I love that idea. I love it. But I, I, I want to stretch that out where the, the green dragon dies. Yeah. And then underneath it, the forest grows and lifts its body up into the the thick canopy and so when your heroes go up into the canopy chasing something they come across a green dragon skeleton in the treetops yeah spread yeah wings. yeah like yeah. wings spread out tail spread the mouth like hanging open yeah right and I, I think that would just be a really cool thing and there's a bunch of kobolds or whatever living in the skeleton yeah I think that's a really cool I, I love that's a really cool like uh, entire campaign arc where there are kobolds attacking uh, people traveling through this wood and they are just living up in the canopy where no one could see them this massive green dragon skeleton and that's where they live and your party has to go find them go attack them then you're dealing with things like if you fall from the 200 foot canopy you go smush <laughs> canopy so, continue so fucking <laughs> I got peacock yeah. and but canopy. that's a different environmental challenge you're saying there Dan yeah. is to now put the, the, the woodland or the forest plot hook in the canopy itself yeah, I would love that. Yeah. Um, okay, so um, let's move on to the stats and the traits and the, and the skills and what have you of the of the ancient green dragon. Hold um, on, I, I got a couple of things. Can you I, hit can me? I jump on them. Yeah. Um, uh, you talked briefly about how they're they're almost ambushing, right? Yeah. Um, it says uh, right in I think it's in the monster manual where they absolutely love to terrorize and harass, and they will often leave survivors. To spread, to spread the, the tail, yeah. right? And I love the idea of you having an adult green dragon that just comes by, fucks up the party, knocks one person into unconscious, and leaves. And then two, the two levels later, they it comes in, swoops, and does it again. They cannot fight them at level four 
or level 6 or level 8, right? And it's an adult green dragon. And then finally it comes in and they're level 14 now. And like, no, you know what, bitch? You know what? And now, like, there's this constant harassment that, that happened mm-hmm. as well. So I really love that, that aspect. And they're also willing to take hostages, mm-hmm. which is... Fantastic! You always hear about the princess that's in the tower guarded by the dragon. This is the dragon, yeah, right. So anyway, I just wanted to bring that up because I I love that shit. And I like the idea of harassment as well. That it's um, I'm thinking Suicide Squad Joker. I'm not going to kill you. I'm just going to hurt you really, really bad. Yeah, (laughs) that's what I'm I'm picturing right here. Yeah. Um, Okay, armor class twenty one. Pretty good. Makes sense. They're a dragon. They're nice and tough. Okay. Uh, where, where are we starting? Are we starting? We're starting ancient and working our way. Oh, I'm just gonna go. Well, I'm gonna start ancient. Go through all of the big stuff that essentially Dragon is working towards, and then we can work our way down. Sure, like. cool. Instead of starting at Wormling and then adding on. You're doing it's it totally just... backwards from the White Dragon. Well, that's... I like it. No, no, no. Exactly. Yeah. I'm getting to the fun stuff quick, okay? Otherwise, we'll be here for three hours. Okay. Okay, Ancient Dragon. So we're having to hit points at 385. That's what they're building up to. Obviously, the younger ones are going to be... 22 D20. Yeah, 22 D20 Wolf. plus 154. Um, okay, here's the movement speed. A little bit different to white dragons, okay? So, on, on the ground, 40 feet of movement. Flying is 80 feet. Swimming is 40 feet. Okay, so there's no burrowing with green dragons. Mm-hmm. So, all of the battle tactics we talked about before with white dragons don't apply to green dragons. What's really interesting here, and I, I want to... Are, are we going to get to layers in a bit? Yep, sure. Okay, I'll save it for layers. I want to talk about the swim stuff. We'll save it for layers. Okay, sure. Um, let's run real quick through the stats as well. So, the two bigger ones are strength and constitution. Strength being 27, so plus 8. Constitution being 25, so plus 7. Yeah. That's Massive. pretty standard. Yeah. But it's the, also a poison breather. So, like, you would expect something that breathes poison to have a higher constitution. What I would what I did want to put to you guys is their dexterity is very average. It's 12, so it's a plus 1 modifier. Yeah. If you had, say, a particularly good perception role or somebody who's their favorite enemy with dragons or something... Me as a DM, I would maybe describe that this dragon is large and strong and imposing due to its large strength and constitution, um, but does not seem to move particularly quickly. It's slow in its movement. I would hint at the fact that they don't seem as dexterous. Which is odd because they still have the 40 feet. Right. Right? And um, it's built into their their regional effects. Yeah. um, That when they move through a forested area, they don't hit the... There's a bit of like a, a labyrinth. Uh, and like a maze-like aspect to to their forest that they live in, mm-hmm. but uh, it's all difficult terrain. You take damage when you go through these thistles and then and the thickets and whatnot. When they move, the entire forest kind of spreads out. the The plants are magical, and it moves out of the way. Yeah. So there's no reason for it to be dexterous. Yeah. Right. It's just always coming at a straight line. And really, you would think that the, the dragon is really never trained that skill. Right? Exactly. In no, it just, it's an innate ability. They've never they need them, yeah. to be dexterous. They need to be dexterous. Um, I, I think this is something that we're going to bring up every single Dragons ap- episode. Dragons are strong. They're imposing. They're their own thing by themselves, yes. Any encounter you have with a dragon is immediately tenfold better when you bring in the environment. 100%. And, and, yeah. and like, if you're fighting a, dra- a green dragon in the woods... Mess with plants. We'll, we'll get well, to that. We'll, oh, yeah. we'll get to that. We'll, we'll stuff. talk about battle strategy. I, I know have you're excited. so much to do. I'm excited because I want to jump on that as well. I want to jump on that as well. Uh, intelligence 20, so plus 5 modifier. I, I know this number doesn't seem massively high. 
Um, oh, we're putting a green dragon. I, I, I wanted to go grab I a love green, this green dragon. dragon. We'll take a picture of that. I know this number doesn't seem massively high for an amazing creature such as a dragon, but you have to remember this dragon is as intelligent as your incredibly intelligent wizard, which you have in your party. Yeah. So they are not dumb by any means. They're incredibly intelligent. Wisdom 17, still high, well above average. Uh, charisma 19. Okay, so they're still very threatening. We can be they're, to, they're able to go toe to toe with a bard. They're able to go toe to toe. And they're manipulative. They're yep with a wizard, and they're they're as good as your average cleric or druid as far as their wisdom goes, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, saving throws, dex plus eight, con plus fourteen, wisdom plus ten, charisma plus eleven. We're still talking ancients here. The skills of deception, insight, perception, persuasion, and stealth. Damage immunities, poison, shocker. Condition immunities, poisoned, shocker. Senses, blind sight, 60 feet, dark vision, 120 feet, and the passive perception is 27. Languages are common, draconic, and they are a CR rating of 22. Anything you guys want to add on to that? Yeah, I was actually reading a thing about them in preparation of this episode um, and, and, and this recording. And their poison breath is just kind of uh, out there as a you know, 90-foot cone that deals with a bunch of damage, constitution save. Um, adding a specific type of poison gas to it adds a lot of weight. So I read that their breath is a highly caustic version of chlorine gas. Oh. So you look at what that kind of gas did in World War One, World War Two. No, no, I hate it. I'd, put, I'd give that to the acid. I'd give that to the acid breath of a black dragon. Chlorine gas fucking melts you. Yeah, well, lore-wise, it's chlorine. Like mm. I, I hate that. That's that feels black dragon to me. It doesn't feel green dragon. It feels like I, I know what you're trying to do. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. But, but I feel like the research wasn't done correctly. Yeah, I feel like the up uh, the your research was fine. Their research was shit. Yeah. Well, yeah. I I think their definition of what a point like if you want a standard poison thing, then like you're you're going for venom. You're going for uh, paralyzation. You're going for immense amount of pain. But like. You're not gonna. How do you do that as a gas? You're just doing poison damage. There's no poisoned effect on this, which means to me that you're not doubling over coughing. It's just kind of. A, it's almost necrotic. Whenever you get poison damage but no poison condition, it feels to me like your muscles are, are withering. It's harder to breathe slightly, but yeah. you're not getting disadvantage on anything. Yeah, so I, 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 and that that's the part I wanted to bring up here is like, I kind of hate the fact that their uh, breath weapon is just straight damage. And it's the same with the white dragon. It's just straight damage. But I, 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 I've got a rant about breath weapons that I've been like... Well, kinda... We can work our way down to the breath weapons here. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Okay, well let's go through the traits first. So they're amphibious, so the dragon can breathe air and water. Which is important. I want to talk about that with layers. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> Legendary resistance is three a day. If the dragon fails a saving throw, I can choose to succeed instead. That, that's standard. Anything dragons. over like like CR 15 is likely to have that, right? Yeah, and so for their um, for their actions, there's the ones that you know all dragons have. So they have their multi-attack. They can use frightful presence, bite, claw, tail attack. Um, frightful presence just to remind you guys there's going to be a DC in this case it's 19 wisdom saving throw or they become frightened for one minute uh, a creature can repeat the saving throw at the end of each of its turns ending the effect on itself on a success I hate this I legitimately hate this Fright, frightful presence yeah the be- mechanic behind it or? Uh, yeah I hate first of all it's too low if anybody's fighting an ancient green dragon which is a CR what 22, 22. Yeah. right then you're passing that already right you're not going to fail that and on top of it, even if you uh, if you do fail it, you can just save against it, and it, you don't have to worry about it for the next twenty four hours. Yeah, 
I hate that. That is my least favorite thing about this. Uh, you get to roll to save again on your next turn. I hate that mechanic in 5th Ed. Mm -hmm. Drives me up the wall, and I love it when they don't have it. So on an ancient dragon, I think they need to get rid of that. If it roars, you piss yourself, you run away, come back tomorrow. Yeah, don't, I don't come think, back in three minutes. Yeah, I don't think you should be able to steal yourself six seconds later. Yeah, I, I think there needs to be like, a, Even a minute later, yeah, I get it. Like, your your party's been fighting. But the thing is, they're, they're building these encounters. If you are playing... And fighting a CR twenty-two creature, that round is take that that fight is taking maybe four rounds. Like if you're out for a minute, you're out for the combat. Right, but here's the thing: the frightened condition is just you cannot move closer. Yeah, you can still sit there and shoot. You can still wait for it to come to you. Yeah, right. You just can't move closer, and you have disadvantage on attacks. But again, you're a level twenty character. Yeah, and also. I know, I know it's, you're saying, okay, well, you're out for that entire combat. You can't move close for that entire combat. Also, you know what? This is part of the game, and you're expecting to think with some strategy. The yeah. environment has changed. I'm sorry. Yeah. You can't walk in and play the whole thing exactly as you want to play it. You're frightened because it's a fucking dragon, and now you have to rethink your plan. And I'm with you for a young dragon on this mechanic where you can save every time because it's a CR8 and you want to stay in the game. This is CR20. This is a capstone, or CR22, right? This is it. This is the big This is bat. a campaign boss. Right, and so it should be. You need to sit there and go, we've done all of our research on dragons. We've talked to the experts. We've been living with the elves that are dragon hunters. We've gone through all of this shit to build up to this. We spent a year and a half on this campaign to get this far if we're not prepared for this very basic thing that it can do then we deserve to be out of combat yeah. for a minute right like i don't know that's just me i think this is weak for fifth edition anyway well honestly this entire thing is null and void by what a eighth level paladin ability Exactly, right? Right, so. like just everybody cuddle up to the paladin right at the beginning and then you're good to go. Sure. Let's talk poison breath. Let's so the recharge is breath. five and six. Um, so I know that for very new players, that's not clear. Basically, every round you recharge, and if you get five or six, the you roll a d six. Yeah, right? you roll a so d six. So you have a one in three chance of being able to do this. Of being able to do it again. Okay. So the dragon exhales poisonous gas in a ninety foot cone. Each creature in that area must make a DC twenty two Constitution saving throw, taking seventy seven or twenty two d six poison damage on a failed save, or half as much on a successful one. Chaps, thoughts on the poison breath weapon? First of all. I wanted to do the poison condition. Yeah. Yep. Right, and that's just it. I um, think if you, if you maybe if you pass the save, you're not poisoned condition. But if you well, fail, you I take, think you should. And you be. still take half damage. Yeah. Yeah. So but like you take half damage and you're not poisoned. I think you should be hundred. I think there's, if you can get poisoned from stupid shit in this game, little shit that just poisons you. A friggin' ancient green dragon who's giving you this much poison damage should you would think your body would be poisoned after that. Yeah, I also think the DC 22 is too low. It's a freaking dragon breath. Yeah. Right? I do like the fact that this is a con save. It, there are very few breath weapons that are con saves, they're usually dex saves, and so the rogues at this point are laughing because they're just not going to take damage. However, um, so I like that, it, that it's con. I might argue that's why it's a little bit lower because honestly, most people are not prepped. Con is not typically very Yeah, high. no, and and the only classes in the game that are going to have super stacked con... I never have super stacked con. I'm all your squishy. barbarians, and then... I don't know, your fighter, your, your paladin... Fight, yeah, but they're not going like to have that. stacked con. There's usually two or it's three... It's like third stat, right? It's like it's their third stat, right? So it still needs to be a little mitigated. If you had a CR 
Sorry, if you had a DC I'm, 25 poison breath weapon, your barbarian might be good. Everyone else is screwed. Unless you have a paladin, and then everyone should be fine. Yes, but still, this is an ancient green dragon. This has a higher CR level than you can get levels in the game as a mm-hmm. player. That's true. It needs to be that hard. And... Stop. I, I, we keep talking about, oh, your base stats and whatnot. You're going to have the plus three to con amulet and shit yeah, by yeah. the time. That's a, that's like, a good point. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I think that you are going to be able to weather this just fine. Not to mention how many things, how many races, and how many classes are just fucking immune to poison by level 20. Yeah. Like, yeah, fair enough. A third of them? There's way too much. So, I don't know. I'm out. Here, here's the thing, though. The DC 22 doesn't seem high enough to me. But then DC 18 for the, uh, for the 19, adult? 19. 19 for the fearful. For frightful presence. No, I'm talking about the adult's breath weapon. Oh. All right? For, for the young, it's a DC 14. For the wormling, it's a DC 11. Your guys are going to be making this all of the time. It's just not powerful enough. Yeah. At any given time, and 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 it's in the increments of like the wormling is fifteen feet, uh, fifteen foot cone, and the next one is thirty foot cone, and the sixty foot cone, and then ninety foot cone. You may be able to hit everybody or the majority of the party in one go, but it doesn't matter if half of them are making this save. I would say make the save harder and pull back on the dice a little bit. Pull yeah. back on the damage. But do that damage to more people more consistently. Yeah, that's what I, I would be that, looking for. That leads to more excitement. I think well, so, and right. more engagement. Right? So like, anyway, oh, that's that, that's just me. Yeah, Dan. I have I have a mechanics question for you guys because I'm I'm looking at this and I'm trying to figure it out. Okay. If they build DCs the same way they build DCs for everyone else, like spell save DCs, yep. it should be eight plus proficiency plus whatever the stat is, right? So if it's a wisdom save, it should be their wisdom modifier that they're going. If it's constitution, sure. yeah, save they're but going, right? Keep in mind the monsters don't get proficiencies. So keep in mind the monsters don't get proficiencies. So maybe there's a stock number that they just add on top of. You would think with a plus seven to constitution, they would have a fifteen quote unquote proficiency. But then you look over here, they have their their one off for the fightful presence. Where are they coming up with these numbers? Are they just going, oh, 19's no, good? No, 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 I don't think so. I think that uh, when it comes to your dragon specifically, I think dragons run by their own mechanic. The, the, the designer seems to have their own math that they're using. You can, you're right. You can find the how many hit points there are based on what the con modifier is and the dice that they're rolling and shit, and you can do that math. When it comes to the DCs, I think what they're looking at is take the average player and, uh, and skew weak on this. So mm-hmm. think... Think uh, rogue, so you got a D8, right, uh, for hit dice, uh, or, or pick, uh, let's say a cleric, so that you don't have a high charisma, but you got a high wisdom. How many have wisdom saves? How many have con saves? And then they're sitting there going, how often do we want like a 65% success rate? We want a 70% success rate. How many people are putting into ability scores instead of feats? This is how I think they're building okay. their DCs yeah. at this point. Well, I'm so, asking. I'm asking from uh, the lazy GM perspective, where if I don't have the monster manual in front of me and my party's fighting a dragon, I kind of want to have an idea of how they're building these DCs so that I could uh, build appropriate DCs for my party. Yeah. So, so it's just basically guess what your party is. Uh, what what would be difficult to difficult DC for them to make and throw that at them. Hmm. Yeah, right? I, I also feel, though, like they're basing it off of... I see, I think they build the Wormling first and they work their way up, right? And so they started off with a DC 11 and enough, then yeah. they add plus 3 and then plus 4 and then plus 4, right, on their on their DCs. And that's just it. And I think that's how cool. they're doing yeah. it. Okay. And, yeah. 
So that seems to make sense. Uh, should we talk legendary actions? So three legendary actions um, in every round. Uh, so basically, this means that at, at the end of another creature's turn, you can spend one of these legendary actions, sometimes two, we'll go into that, uh, to do an additional thing, an additional action. So for example, you can use detect, which is you get to, the dragon gets to make a wisdom perception check, or you can make a tail attack, uh, with the stats being in the actions, or for two points of legendary action, you can use a wing attack. And I want to talk more. And I want to talk more about wing attack from my notes later on. But for a wing attack, um, each creature within 15 feet of the dragon must succeed on a DC 23 dexterity saving throw, or take 15 or 2d6 plus 8 bludgeoning damage, and be knocked prone. The dragon can then fly up to half its flying speed. I'm going to use this later on. That's the same as it was for. I mean, not the numbers, not the DC, but it's the same as it was for the white. And I believe that's what it is for all of ancient dragons. These are the three legendary actions you get, mm -hmm. with the exception of the numbers on on the save. This is how they work. Right, and I'm pretty sure that that's standard. Dan, are, yep. are you looking it up? Yeah, I'm looking it up right now. Um, I don't know if the if the metallic dragons are the same, but it's detect is weird. Well, it's it's remember they got blind sense in like some ridiculous sixty feet of blind sense, hundred twenty feet of dark vision, and their passive perception is twenty seven. And they're gonna give you detect on top of that. They want the dragon to know you're there. Yeah, they do not you want can't you hide from this dragon. Is what's happening. Yeah, here. they don't want your assassin. To come in and wreck this encounter in one go. Yeah. So right. for a legendary action, which is essentially just a free thing the dragon can do on some at the end of somebody else's turn, it's going to find you. It's going to yeah. know where it is. So if you took the, if you as an assassin attempted to hide on your turn, stealth versus fine. perception, right? Let's do this. Exactly. So, yeah. Exactly. Let's do this. <laughs> All right. So on initiative count twenty, and I think everybody's pretty clear on what this means now but again for newer players if you maybe didn't start listening to our podcast in the earlier episodes in the initiative order every time you come back around to a 20 count this is when you can kick a lair action if you like and if it ties with another 20 count this one loses yes. it goes after yeah correct yeah okay so let's talk lair actions so uh grasping roots and vines erupt in a 20 foot radius centered on a point on the ground that the dragon can see within 120 feet of it. The area becomes difficult terrain and each creature there must succeed on a DC 15 strength saving throw or be restrained by roots and vines. A creature can be freed if it or another creature takes an action to make a DC 15 strength check and succeeds. The roots and vines welt away when the dragon uses the lair action again or when the dragon dies. Pretty standard, right? It's grasping vines, yeah. Grasping vines. Yeah. You know, it's it's grasping vines that hold you in place, okay? Let's try this one here. A wall of tangled brush bristling with thorns and spring it springs into existence on a solid surface within 120 feet of the dragon. The wall is up to 60 feet long, 10 feet high, and 5 feet thick. Thick. And it blocks line of sight. That's with two C's, right? <laughs> that was it. Thick. <laughs> Man, it's a thick like peanut butter. That's how I like my women. When the wall appears, each creature in its area must make a DC 15 dexterity saving throw. A creature that fails the save takes 18 or 48 piercing damage and is pushed five feet out of the wall space, appearing on whichever side of the wall it wants. A creature can move through the wall, albeit slowly and painfully, for every one foot um, of wall that the creature travels through, it must spend four feet of movement. That's a strange number mechanically for this game, but we'll touch on that in a second. Yeah. Furthermore, a creature in the wall space must take a DC 15 dexterity saving throw on each round. It's in contact with the wall, taking 18, 48. Piercing damage on a failed save or half as much as a successful save. Each 10-foot section of wall has 
AC5 and 15 hit points vulnerability to, and vulnerability to fire damage, resistance to bludgeoning damage and piercing damage and immunity to psychic damage, shocker. The wall sinks back into the ground when the dragon uses this lair action again or when the dragon dies. That was a lot of words, but we got the general gist of that there. So basically, do you remember with the white dragons, they had all these ice walls that were popping up? Yeah, they were yeah. 30 feet wide and 10 feet. This is 60 feet long, and it does it does freaking damage to you when you try to go through it. Yeah. And it slows you the fuck down. And it's hella hard to get rid of as well. Yeah, and it's this seems brutal. I, that it's going to do an average of 19 damage every time that you try to go through this. What do you think of the four feet? The four feet I like because, mechanically speaking, so you use one, it costs an additional four, is if you have 30 feet of movement, we're going to call that, divide by five, we're going to call that six squares, okay? Yeah. You use one, it costs four, you're down five. You get to the other side of the wall, you've taken 19 points of damage on average, and now you get to move five feet. That's it. So your action, you know that shit's happening on the other side of this wall. You can hear it. You can perceive it. Someone's using message to be like, fuck, get over here. Help, I need. And you're just like, oh, my God, okay, here I come. You're a fighter. You're going to blast your second wind anyway. Through you go. And now you have five feet of movement to get close to be able to interact. I'm okay with that yeah. because it lets you get out of the wall. Yeah. Right? Unless, of course, the wall is, there's two walls back to back, and now they're 10 feet thick, and now you're screwed. Yeah. Right? Like... I'm okay with that. It's a weird mechanic. If it was five for every one, then that's that's too much. If it's three, it's not enough. Yeah. Uh, I'm. It, you're right. It's an odd number to see. We don't see a whole lot of like one per or four per every uh, one. I, I don't know. I'm fine with it. Yeah. I, I think that it works as long as the DM can think about it ahead of time and can accurately describe it to the players. Yeah. And it's easier if you break it down by, look, each square is five feet. Right and like if anything was within five feet of you, we're always using five feet as a general rule, so you have an extra five feet of movement when you get through the wall. Yeah, uh, so you know I'm into it. That's yep. fine, whatever. Dan, yeah. you good with it? I'm good with it. It's the next one that I find the fuckiest. Okay, let's take a look three. at this one. This one's not nearly as long. Magical fog billows around one creature. The dragon can see within 120 feet of it. The creature must succeed on a DC 15 Wisdom saving throw or be charmed by the dragon until initiative count 20 on the next round. Strange. Uh, see a green dragon pointing at it and be like, no, 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 you're Batman. What? No. Well, it's a cloud of fog, and then they sit there and they're charmed. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, how I would run this is the dragon turns you around and gets you lost. Yeah. That's it. It just removes you. You go your full movement. You dash. You turn around and run. Yeah. Right? I mean, uh, would it be better if it was... Confusion based, honestly, more than it, anything than charm. So the way the way I read it is, it has a very fey feel to it. This is something that would happen in the fey wild. So it it's yeah, I would I would throw a little bit of a, maybe a confusion to it um, if I was to build it differently. I'd, I'd okay. So so here's my question. Let me let me paint a scenario, gentlemen. Let me paint you a word picture, please. It's initiative roll 20, you fail your save. Okay, now it's your turn on initiative roll 19. You're charmed, but it's charmed, which means you have to be convinced of shit. The dragon hasn't gone yet, so what do you do? Nothing, you don't react differently? Yeah. The dragon goes on initiative roll 18, tells you to do something, and you're like, okay, I'm gonna do that then on my next turn, but then it wears off by the next initiative roll 20. And so this charm effect means nothing. Yeah. It's only effective if the dragon goes before the player. That's strange to me that they would include this. And also, why charm? Shouldn't it be poison? <laughs> it's a fog. Yeah. Right? The breath weapon is 
gaseous. Yeah. This and and if you're gonna make an argument that the breath weapon does not give you the poisoned condition, this fog should then give you the poisoned yeah, condition. Yeah. Okay. And I'm into that, right? Like. Yeah. I don't know. This is a weird one for me. Anyway. It is, you know what, this is strange. It feels out of place. It feels out of place, Dan. You're exactly right. I don't say that very often. I should say it more often. You're an educated man. You know what you're talking about. Sometimes. Okay. Should we do regional effects? Sure. I enjoy regional effects with dragons. Uh, okay. How about this for regional effect? Uh, Are regional effects a new thing? Um, they I think feel I, like a new thing. I, I think they had them in fourth edition. Um, my big problem are, you know what, hold on, let's do regional effects. We'll get into this. Sure. Okay. Okay, so the region containing a legendary green dragon's lair is warped by the dragon's magic, which creates one or more of the following effects. Are you ready? Here's the first one. Thickets form labyrinthine passages within one mile of the dragon's lair. The thickets act as a 10-foot high, 10-foot thick walls, the block line of sight. Creatures can move through the thickets with every one foot a creature moves, costing it four feet of movement. We've been here before, right? A creature in the thickets must make a distinct yep. DC fist. Blah, blah, blah. Next. Next. Save a bone. Okay. Um, next one. Within one mile of its lair, the dragon leaves no physical evidence of its passage unless it wishes to. Because the plant's part, right? Yep. Okay. Uh, tracking it there is impossible except by magical means. In addition, it ignores movement impediments and damage from plants in this area that are neither magical nor creatures, including the thickets described above. The plants remove themselves from the dragon's path. So you're going to talk about plants later, right? So yeah. you got to remember that, hey? So this also means that now your ranger's useless. Well, tracked by magical means, right? So the ranger's useless, but the ranger got a bunch of tracking spells as well. Yeah. Hunter's mark will still work, is the point. Okay. Um, next one. Final one. Uh, rodents and birds within one mile of the dragon's lair serve as the dragon's eyes and ears. Deer and other large game are strangely absent, hinting at the presence of an unnaturally hungry predator. The way I would do this, sorry to just jump in before you guys there, is if you were, say, going through a thick expansive forest for a long time and you were using your ranger to find you food that there's no longer any available food. Yeah, I also like the idea of you know that you're heading in towards this and so there's like, oh, you hear the birds chirping and you get up in the morning you see a chipmunk and then the moment you get into the green dragon's forest, all of a sudden there's no more noise. You can see the bird, it sits on a branch and stares at you as you go past. And then in the distance there's a rabbit. It looks at you. As you approach, it turns around and runs away another 40 feet turns around stops and watches you as if leading you further through the thickets yeah here's my problem with this regional effects it says uh, it says the words it for a legendary green dragon the fuck is a legendary green dragon yeah do they mean ancient do they mean adult because they get legendary? I don't know previous editions but was legendary, did that mean ancient at some point? Nope, it's no, always it's been ancient. It's always been ancient. So I think that that's just flavor text, which means to me that this works on everybody, which means the regional and layer effects, and here's my beef, is equally effective for a wormling as it is for an adult or, or ancient dragon. No, Dan? No, uh, a legendary creature is something that has legendary actions. So if it has legendary actions, it's fine. So you're young and you're where you're does, where is that in the rules is written? Um, or you just no no that, that, that I, I'd have to find it. I do remember reading something about that. Like there are certain creatures that are legendary creatures. That's and a good These argument, creatures though. have legendary actions. That's why your ancients and your young and your adults have these legendary actions. That's why certain vampire lords have legendary actions. Okay, I I I'm into it. If if we can find that. Um, we'll post it. Okay. okay yep. So, um, note to self as we're listening to this later. Find that and post it. Yes. Uh, but uh, one of the things that I just I just want to touch on is why do we not get tables that say, "Hey, look, 
the wall for a it is 20 feet long for a wormling, 30 feet long for a young, uh, 40 feet long for a for an adult, and 50 feet long for a for um, an ancient. We've got tables listed all the way through the rest of all of these books. Why do we not get them for layer action so that we have scaling, right? It's it's one mile for an adult, but it's three miles for an ancient. That seems more interesting to yeah. me. Yeah. Well, right? watch this space. Maybe we can help people out with that. Um, yeah, Because that's sure. a great idea. Um, okay. We waffled on for a little bit here. Well, we, we haven't touched the adults or the or the youngs or the wormlings. Well, you can, we could go through those if you like. I mean, it's just... The, the ancients we know is, is just building up to this stuff. Yeah, I kind of want to touch on a couple things. Do you sure, mind, Terry? Can, no, can I hijack for a sec here? There, again, except for the numbers, there is no difference between an ancient and an adult dragon. Mm -hmm. That still seems super fucking wrong to me. Right? We talked about that in the White Dragon episode. The only difference, there's no new powers between adult and ancient. It's just the raw stats. Right. And that doesn't seem... That doesn't seem kosher to me especially because the difference between a young dragon and an adult dragon um or green dragon specifically the adult gains insight as, mm -hmm. as a skill it can use and persuasion and they're both powerful and it gets legendary resistances and its passive perception of blindsight are actually really formidable now and it adds frightful presence to the multi-attack and it has legendary action to all of this hits on the adult and nothing new was on the ancient, and I th and and we said it before with the with the white dragon. There there needs to be some kind of new incredible, exactly. exciting um, change. And right? it, you even get it between the wormling and and the young. When it goes from a worm to a young, it gets faster. It gets um, uh, it adds deception. Now it can speak common and not just dr draconic. Now it gets its multi attack, uh, multi attack and claws and tail. Mm -hmm. Right? There's all of this shit that get that gets added on at every level here, except ancient, and that's the one we want to fight. Yeah. Right. So this is when, if if I'm looking at ancient, this is where I want my layer actions to definitively be a part of yeah. this. But again, as a player, if you're in the layer, you've done something wrong. Yeah. Right. So. Uh, how are we doing this? Like, what what do they want us to do with an ancient dragon to make it more magical, more legendary, more amazing, more awesome? Did you find the legendary creatures? And that's the right word, more legendary cool. as well. The, what, what's so great about ancient compared to an adult? We've been building up to this. There's, Give us the thing. There's actually a list of legendary creatures uh, that I have here on my, on my phone. But uh, on page 11 of your monster manual, there's a uh, section called Legendary Creatures, and they define what a legendary creature is. A legendary creature can do things that ordinary creatures can't. It can take special actions outside its turn, and it might exert magical influence for miles around. Okay? So, exactly what we're saying. So, a legendary creature is a creature that has legendary actions and might have a layer. Layer and or original effects. Interestingly, interestingly enough, it doesn't say anything about legendary resistances. Uh, no, no, it doesn't. So it's the specifically the legendary actions, the ability to go on someone else's turn. Right. That's yeah. what makes it legendary. That's okay, good. cool. Thanks for the clarity. I think man. that's actually going to be really helpful to listeners because that, that wasn't clear to me before. That looks like a long list. That looks like a long list. So I'm just going to sample this real quick. Uh, it's things like Aboleth, Skull Lord, Death Tyrant, Demi Lich, uh, Kirin's. Um, for a, a good version of yep. this, right? Uh, uh, face huggers, dragons, uh, uh, Tarasks, um, dragons, all of the dragons, uh, certain versions of Gith. 
can no, be not here against all of the adults and ancients. All of the adults and ancients of all of all of the chromatics and metallics. Um, Demi liches, like sure, yeah, demon lords, like it's that tier of monster. We're talking tier four. Yes, with the exception of a handful of other, like a beholder gets lair actions and yep. shit, right? So mm-hmm. anyway, okay. Okay. Let's talk about some stuff we can roll dice on. Let's actually get to topic one okay. sure. of the conversation. Um, there's a few different things we can talk about here, but I'll let you choose whether you want to do everything in this list or you just want to touch on one or two things, okay? But we can touch on... Um, there's four things. Um, your favorite mechanical aspect, your favorite tier for combat specifically, your go-to combat maneuver, the green dragon, and if you have a, a, an unorthodox usage of this dragon that could be interesting as well but I'll leave it up to you guys which one you want to explore okay sure okay all good one two three I'm going first with a ten I'm going second as is tradition I am coming last hot (laughs) that's hot thank you would you like to look at my notes uh so you might understand it I also have written fuck elves (laughs) yeah I have fuck elves in mind as well um one of the things that I want to just just kind of hit on because it, you didn't list it in one of the things I could talk about. So I'm going to... I'm gonna Throw it in. Yeah, I'm going to throw it in if you don't mind. Um, the tiers that I want to use on this. I want to I use tier three. Mm-hmm. I want the adult dragon at CR 15, so it's at the end of tier three. Well, I'll, I'll just stop you real quick because we're going to talk about tiers for social encounters later. And yeah, I'm specifically inside. mechanic. Okay? okay, okay. So mechanically speaking, I want this guy to be harassing the party, like I said earlier, Yeah. and then running away again. But it says in the lore that... They've got a swim speed, they're amphibious, and in their section about layers, uh, it actually says that uh, there are hillside, cliffside, uh, behind waterfalls, uh, they can uh, camouflage it with vegetation, or it can be underwater. God damn it, make it underwater. Yeah. Put it at the bottom of a lake. You have to go through the lake to then come up inside a mountain. Yeah. Right. And there's no other way in. Also, and- nobody expects the dragon to be sleeping in the lake. Exactly, Either. right? So, and I, I, as much as I really like the idea with the white dragon of coming up through the frozen lake, right, or appearing out of the snow, this coming up, can you imagine a green dragon rising up out of the water? Yeah. Right? It's massive. It's, it's a huge creature, and it's just like it's dwarfing the party, and and then it hits with the breath attack, and then goes back down again and disappears into the lake. They go in after it, and it's gone. And because it's a forest, you still have all this weird fucky shit all the way around. As they try to leave, because they can't find it, it's harassing them the whole way. <laughs> you, you, these these plant walls underwater. Why not? Yeah, you have right? seaweed, right? And that was my next point. is it sh- When you go down there, you shouldn't be able to see the hole. Because there should be seaweed and shit in the way. right? It's not quite a swamp. I wouldn't have like lily pads and stuff. Yeah. That's more black dragon. But I love the idea of it being an underwater lair for a green dragon who's bursting out in like a, a huge, loud um, cacophony of sound and splashing and water. It roars, it gets its attack in, and by God, when a player comes to me at level 8 and says, you know what, I'm tired of my character, I don't mind if you kill him off, I want to go do this character instead, you say, yeah, all right, and then you hit the party with the green dragon, fucking eat that player. Yeah. Because it's an adult green dragon, CR 15, your guys are level 8, he's going to come in mop the floor with them, eat the character, gloat about it, so tell your friends and family what happened here, and then and then leave. 
And now he's going to keep harassing. He's going to... This is who's attacking the farmstead, right? Yeah. Of, of your players. Just to add that insult to injury over and over. Not killing everybody. We're just going to ruin your crops with my poison breath. Now what are you going to do? Enjoy the winter, bitches. Yeah. Right? And this is what a green dragon is for me. And and I want that level of, of hit and run, hit and run, hit and run. Over and over again. So that when they finally hunt this thing down. And they get their... Hey, you know what? We're level 15. It's time to end this nonsense. We've been working on this for months and they get there and it is the environment that's the issue now. Yeah. They prepped for a dragon, but they got a lake, they got thorny walls, they've got a maze, they've got the dragon is able to pass through the walls. The wall opens, the dragon flies through, the wall closes again. How do you combat that? Yeah. This is the mechanic that I want to make a dragon scarier. And now this goes from, a, I, I said this before, <coughs> layer actions take it, if you're smart with it, can take it from a CR-15 to a CR-17. Yeah. A CR-8 to a CR-10. Yeah. Right? Your environment is so key. So there's my answer, guys. Yeah. Is my mechanic, everything that's based around um, uh, how to use a green dragon in combat is the hit and run mechanic. The white dragon was a hunter. This guy is keeping tabs on the party. He knows where you are and what you're doing. Every time you get a victory, he's going to show up. Mm -hmm. He's going to wreck house. He's going to take your shit, and he's going to leave. Oh, you just got a plus three longsword? No, you didn't. It's over here now. Mm -hmm. Come get me. And you can't. You just can't. Yeah. Right? And that is going to infuriate your players. Don't do this to every table. Yeah. Right? Then you're going to piss off some players. But this is how you build a bad guy that is worth killing. This is a big, bad, evil guy. That is a perfect cap to tier three. Yeah. Uh, Dan, I think you were going second. Uh, yeah, I honestly, I, I was kind of on the same page with Adam. Where I love the. I'll just give you some positive reinforcement. That was great. Thank you, Terry. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I do love the hit and run tactics with these guys. I love the fact that they are going to uh, play on the weaknesses of the party, and they will spend the time to figure out what the weaknesses are before they exploit them. Right? Whether it be uh, not even of the party, but of the region. They will exploit the weaknesses for their benefit, and they will take pleasure in doing it. So, I, I in terms of a mechanical thing, I, I would really lean heavily on this charm fog, and like, um, in in the lore here, it says like it it uh, they uh, like the servitude of several sentient creatures. There's a couple weird ones in there. Like the Edder Caps? Edder Caps. That's like, weird. Like, why are Edder Caps Those there? are spider people. They're spider people. So, okay, expound on that. If they're enslaving the, the basically, if you boil Edder Caps down to the basic level, they're spider shepherds. Um, if they're enslaving spider shepherds, then you've got a green dragon sitting back, sending out spider minions and uh, Edder Caps and, like, Trying to trap things along the way and, and seeing like seeing the weird uh, traps that these spiders can do to collect people to come and, and then they have a they have their own forest in front of them they have their jungle in front of them of people that have been uh, solidified in webbing or 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 paralyzed or in some way shape or form these statues of people all around them and then when you're trying to fight them you could go and you can unleash people to help you or maybe they're enemies that you have to fight along the way okay, right? okay. so i absolutely love this especially because you you have your first town it like 
right beside Spider Forest, right? Yeah. And then you, and then your tier one is fighting spiders, and your tier two is fighting adder caps, yeah. right? And then oh, there's a couple of dryad or not dryads, um, driders, yeah. right? That are that are there as well because there's a little like entrance to the underdark you have to close up, and there are drought. Oh, spiders, and they think they fixed it, but no. No, they have not. Yeah. There's a green dragon pulling the strings on all of this. Yeah, and, and they also love to enslave Yuan-Ti and elves and all these other things to their own whim. So, like, there could be a elf that is rallying against fighting this thing, but it's actually duplicious. It is on the side of the dragon, and it's leading your party towards doom. Now you've got a important NPC who you would trust because of all the lore supporting the fact that this elf is in the right for hating dragons and dragons hate elves but now you've got this one elf who is the main agent for this because they've dragon. just been broken just through just harassment broken and harassment you could also do the things it's, like it's got his da- the daughter I mean Elrond is, is working for, the, for it because Arwen is a hostage yeah right like, yeah and for hundreds of years yep yeah. exactly so uh, that, that's what I would do with uh, a green dragon. I love that. Um, I'm going to touch on mechanics a little bit because um, this is something which I think gets over um, overlooked. This is purely from a tactician's point of view. In combat, this dragon has a cone attack. And a, a legendary action, I think, that does not get used enough is the wing attack. If you have a legendary action, if you use the wing attack, you can not only cause damage, but you can knock... A lot of people within 15 feet of you, and bear in mind if you plant yourself in or the middle, feet. Jeez. Listen, within 15 feet of I you, see where we're going. you can nice. knock them prone, and you can then fly up to 40 feet of your speed. If you do this on the at the end of the player's turn, who goes immediately before you, you can then use your cone attack right after. Or even if you don't, the players then have to use their turn to stand up, and they reduce their movement down to half. So now you're essentially corralling them. So they can't get away. Like yeah, they but would normally a, be able a to. creature that's prone has disadvantage on dexterity saves. Yeah, exactly. Which, so you see, you which, see where I'm going with this, yeah. right? Oh, but it's a constitution breath. It's a constitution breath. So, so yeah, they wouldn't have is, they yeah. wouldn't have disadvantage. You're right, but still, it, what the point I was going to originally you added onto it was that, that you're corralling them. You're mm-hmm. you're 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 stopping them from. I talked before about rogues, but about arcane tricks. I was saying their turn should be reacting to your bullshit. Use your wing attack, even though it costs two legendary actions, so they have to react to your bullshit. They only get half their movement. They can't escape the breath weapon now. So, that was one idea I had. When I talked about white dragons, I talked about um, burrowing with a player. Grapple that player, fight them one-on-one on your turns, and take them through the fucking canopy of those trees. And you fight that wizard by yourself up there, and everyone else figure out how to get to you. Or because line of sight is gone now, right? Line now, of sight's gone. Forest. Yeah. What are you hitting? You're just sending fireballs up somewhere. You well, don't know if, where they are. If you take the wizard up into the canopy, the barbarian, the the ranger with the bow and arrow, like everybody else with weapons down below, like hey, we gotta save them. How do they get there? Yeah. They can't fight the dragon because they don't have line of sight on. They don't even know where it is. Yeah. Right. Meanwhile, they're hearing fireballs going off up in the trees, right? And, and the, the canopy is shaking. The wizard is screaming, yeah. get up here. And they're like, I'm doing, I'll do an athletics check to climb this tree, yeah. right? And that's their freaking turn at half speed. Except for the monk who just lives in the canopy anyway, but yeah. fuck that guy. But like, 
you that that's brilliant just going up with this the other thing too is with all of these big ass walls and stuff grapple them pick them up and toss them in other parts of the maze exactly yeah. right exactly and, and then they've got to find their way these, through the labyrinth to get back to the these fight. are mechanics which are underused is is the wing attack which is huge for to work in combo i like combos with combos with another action grapple send them up in the canopy that's fine let them get up to the canopy then grapple somebody else and plunge them into the lake and take them into the lake because you're amphibious, okay? And and play this battle on your terms. You were talking before about how lair actions and environment can take a what should be a CR 13, CR 15 encounter too higher. If you're using environment and the mechanics that are available to you correctly in combination with other things, you can you can make things very difficult for players. I, I I'm viewing the more and more we're talking about. I'm viewing a green dragon kind of like an oversized cat who is teasing and toying with. Uh, the mouse, which is the party member, right? But but, there's, but, but you know, hear me out. They will take and grab that party member and then drop them in a river 20 feet in front of the waterfall mm -hmm. just to see what happens. Yep. Now go. No, I don't think it's just to see what happens. It's a bully. They're going to drop you there and say, now you got to swim. You gotta swim, and they move towards the left bank, and the dragon just gets in the way and say, "Not this way, go the other way." Yeah, uh, you're gonna die. You're gonna die. You're gonna die. And then over the waterfall, and the and the last thing you hear before you plunge into the water below and take all of your like twelve d six is a green dragon going, boo, yeah, or flapping their wings because they pick you up on the way. Right. But I like the idea of harassment. You talked about harassment before, Adam. Picking one person up, take them to the canopy, beating the shit out of them. Don't kill them. Grab somebody else, plunge them to the bottom of the lake, beat the shit out of them in the lake, don't kill them, take somebody else, take them through the trees, split everybody up. And, and then kill the last one. Yeah, just harass them and kill the last one. But nobody knows the last one died because you've taken them all. Everybody tries to come back to the air. And uh, oh, I lift you up to, to the canopy, right? Nobody else can get up here. I know that. Can everyone else please leave the room? Yeah. And I'm going to do deal with this until you are unconscious. But my last attack is going to be subdual non-lethal damage. So you are unconscious in the tree. And I'm going to come back and be like, okay, so you, this is what you hear up above you. And now I pick up the next guy and I take him three miles over to the lake. Yeah. Right? And so, and you just, you split the party. You literally split the party. And when they all come back together, there's that one guy. There's an arm lying where the party was last together. That's amazing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and that's all playing with environment, using mechanics correctly. And they're smart enough to be like, okay, you're the one with the pointy hat. You're the wizard. Oh, so smart. I'm going to, smart as your I'm, wizard. I'm going to go put you somewhere where it would be a physical challenge to escape. And, oh, you're the one wearing all the armor, so you're going to go in the bottom of the lake. And, yeah. oh, you're, you're the dumb one, so you're going to go in the labyrinth and, like, just drop them in all of these places where it's like, oh, I'm going to play to your negatives because I know them. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, yeah. He's looking at the barbarian, dropping him into the fog, where he's just charmed round after round after round. Right? Like yeah. this is where the green dragon, the green dragon is. I I think permission for the DM to be crafty and evil and design it to be a total party kill. Yeah. You as a DM need to understand that that's not permission to do it. But you can design it as if you're going to. You have those mechanical abilities where you can do it if you use them correctly. I don't want to. I don't want to promote adversarial DMing. However, if you are playing a legendary green dragon, you are an adversary while initiative is rolled. Yep. Go to town. Yep. Go to town, and you know what? They're going to be pl playing against this dragon at extremely high levels. Extremely high levels. Yeah, right? and, and, so, and so I, I they would, can handle it. <laughs> and like, or or make sure you're giving things to the party because you're going to have the that group of power gamers, and you're going to like give them another amulet of uh, or periapt of health, right? It's like 
well, I mean, our wizard doesn't. He wants to use that next slot for something else. So he's gonna. He's not gonna take that periaptive health. And you're sitting here like you're gonna need that Constitution save. Yeah. But like, just give them the treats that they need to be able to actually fight this thing. And, because and in a layer action, as a as it may be CR twenty two as an ancient green dragon, throw on your layer action. Throw on the fact that you as a DM get to be crafty, and throw on the fact that this dude could fly miles and can read your party. It's at least a CR twenty five. I'm gonna say if you're, but if you're going to go balls of the wall deadly, you need to actually give them a heads up that a dragon is coming in the next couple of levels, not even next session. Give them months to prep for this shit because, and tell them this will get real, right? This I'm coming at you balls to the wall with the fucking dragon. Get good. Get good. <laughs> Practice strategy. Yeah. Don't, hey. By the way, don't think you can just stand and bang with this dragon, okay? We're not going to stand toe-to-toe with a foot and a tire and just stand and bang with each other. That's not how this is going to work. But also, it all depends on what's going on in your campaign, right? It might just be that you beat the crap out of them separately, bring them all back together and say, just so you know, that's what can happen here. Now you work for me. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, and you murder their mounts and the NPC guy that was with them. And, so, and, yeah. and maybe you don't kill the player. Maybe you just take everything from them. Yeah. But either way, you're saying, I think we all know where we stand now. Now oh my God, they're mob bosses. They're not cats. They're mob bosses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. All um, right. Is there anything else you guys would like to talk about before we go to commercial? Nope. Uh, no. We're going to move on to the next topic after this. But first, a commercial. How cool would it be to hear your company name on this podcast? Pretty stinking cool. It's a Mimic is ready to take our show to the next level. We want to partner with other awesome businesses to share your brand with our listeners. Please email us at info at itsamimic.com for advertising information. The commercial is over. Dan, you okay? Yeah, I'm good. Okay. Um, topic two, can we talk about social encounters? Well, I think we kind of did a little bit as far as the mob boss, well, but well, I've got more to say. I've yeah. got more to say on that as All well. Right, cool. I've lost. I've forgotten which die is mine. It's that one. The green one because we're talking about green, green dragon. Yeah, dragons. we we didn't mention this. We're all rolling green dice for oh, the green it's a dragon fucking episode. Nightmare. Yeah, they're all uh, identical too. No. All right, so one, two, three, go. Come on, green. You don't oh, that's fuck my now. Oh, you're nineteen. A, you're a cock. You are a cock. You hit my die every freaking episode. <laughs> That's the second time tonight you've hit my die but failed to change the number. I'm we got to rework because we tied because he's just, a cock. I'm just collateral damage. I get a 19. Okay. One, two, three. You knocked Nine. me from an 8 to a 12. I'm going last. Yep. All right. So Sucks. so what are we talking about here, Terry? I'll throw I'll throw some uh, some talking points out at you. You can talk about your favorite social or environmental trait, your favorite tier for social encounters specifically, uh, a standard social encounter, if you want to discuss those in more detail, or maybe the allies and expectations of the Green Dragon or the Green Dragon-based campaign. So here's what I want to do for a social encounter. I'm going to build my mechanical one. Um... What, am I getting too far away? Yeah, yeah, it's going to create an echo. You're loud enough, but it's going to create an echo. Adam, we're actually getting complaints that you're too quiet on the podcast. Don't you dare. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> this is Adam speaking, and I would like you to know that I'm far closer to the mic. Can I fit my mouth? Don't, don't, please. 
<laughs> That's oh, going to stay God. in. That's, I'm going to reference me deep-throating that microphone for the rest of the... They're the best ones, Dan. They're yeah. the best ones when that happens. Anyway, so... You got really close to it and whispered, ladies and gentlemen, and the only thing I could think of, this is Mumbo number five. Bant, 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 bant. Anyway, so I, I'm going to... Um, I I'm thought go- both ladies and gentlemen were in the room. I don't know what was going on. Hey, Dan, look, we're, we're all now 30s. We've all tried it. Adam, go on. So... <laughs> Continue, please. All right. Can we so, just man up and suck a dick, please? Like, <laughs> like this. Hold on. Let me try <laughs> to like the microphone. All right. So the... Uh, You're both far too experienced. Um, the the thing that I want to do is I want to like expand upon what I talked about a moment ago. That is the idea of splitting them up and knocking them out. You're not doing... You're not going for the kill shot. You're going for the unconscious. You always have the opportunity to knock someone out and make them not have to roll death saves. Split the party. Fuck them up one at a time. Knock them to zero hit points, but be clear. I'm going to hit you. You go down to zero. The character fades to black. But then you turn to the player who's just been soloed out that you have just gone after. You say, you know what? Enough of you. Here I come. I'm going to come after Dan with this, and I'm going to wreck your shit. You now have zero hit points. There's nothing you can do. No one is coming. And you know that I'm just going to eat you now. But I'm going to say to the player, metagame, that was non-lethal damage. You're not dead. Please don't discuss this with anybody else. You leave the room. Bring the other three in. Yeah. All right. And then I do it to the next room where I grab the paladin, drop him at the bottom of the lake, ask the other two to leave, and I wreck shit for the paladin. And this is my whole encounter. I've got a six-hour session, right? I'm doing this. I've got all these one-on-one solo encounters. And then they all wake up. As hostages. Mm-hmm. They don't have their armor. They don't have any of their gear because the green dragon wants that shit. Yeah, that's what he wants. So he's what got you? it. And he's got all of your... Uh, he's killed your mounts. He's killed your your uh, your NPC. And he is now sitting there saying, look, you work for me now. And if you say no, you're not going to leave. Right? And this is a good idea, guys, as the fog hits them. Yeah. And convinces half of them. Right? To, to agree to this. Remember that we have agreed on this. And remember, this is not the charm spell. Right? You would, they don't know that they've been charmed as soon as the effects are done. So, everybody is going to, to agree, maybe the, maybe the druid just freaking won't. Or you have an elf in the party that can't be charmed. Yeah. Right? So the elf knows better and is like, guys, why did, why did we agree to this? I can't believe you betrayed me like that. And they're like, look, we work for the Green Dragon now. Here it is. If you can get a good roleplay heavy party, though, that will do will pick up on what you're doing, will actually enjoy that. They'll be like, oh, shit, we know what he's doing, but they'll go along with it. Yeah, that's I, something I would like. I think that that's, that's fun. And then, and then you can get the other guys to do evil campaign level shit. They're probably not going to go raping and murdering and pillaging and whatnot, but they'll probably go destabilize the government. Yeah. Right, or they're going to go undermine um, the recruitment efforts of the of the local militia. Mm-hmm. Right, so you can send them out to do these things, and then only at like a couple of levels later, you would have a high power wizard come in and be like, "All right, everybody, snap out of your shit. All right, well, we need to kill this green dragon. Yeah, remember what he did to you." And I think that would be a lot of fun for a party to play with for a couple of months. Right, just being evil minions. As long as you tell them, hey, look, you're at zero hit points and I didn't kill you. Hey, look, this is a plot hook that we're going to explore here. 
And this charm effect doesn't work like the charm spell, right? You get everybody on board with the, this is our big side quest for a little while, and we'll come back to this, and you'll have the opportunity to kill this green dragon later. Trust me. Let's go. Let's play with this, yep. right? That's why I would roll the, uh, come at it from a role-playing standpoint. For a green dragon, for me, it's not about the dragon role-playing. Mm-hmm. It's about the party role-playing charmed mm-hmm. and subjugated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe one of them isn't. Yep. And and what does that do? Yeah. Right? So, anyway, there's there's my... I love it. There's my answer. Uh, for me, I would play really heavily on the um, the attitude of the green dragon, the 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 frame of mind of the green dragon. Um, there's, there's a little passage here that says, you know, um, when dealing with things that he thinks he is above in every way, shape, or form... He is smooth, sophisticated, yeah. and and honey tongued. Like, but if he's talking to another dragon, he is loud, crass, and rude, especially if dealing with the dragon of the same age or status. So my entire you call that ego. Yeah, that right. Is. So you have you have a severely egotistical dragon sitting here, and say he has taken the party or taken a local government um in his sway in his in his in like enthralled them to his own whim and now that dragon is using that party specifically to take out another dragon who is imposing on territory who is imposing on um they're hyper territorial because yeah, yeah, because you you look at the the swamps of a black dragon, you look at the tundra area of a white dragon, or the mountains of a red dragon. Not to mention all of the metallics out there. Forests infringe upon all of these areas. Maybe not so much the desert for the blue dragon, but everything else, right? Mm-hmm. Where you have the, the the forest area, so there are power matches and struggles all of the time. Exactly. So I would have your one green dragon having even like. Beat up the party just in order to be like, listen, I understand you guys are powerful adventurers. You don't got anything against me. But listen, I'm going to give you things from my horde. I'm going to equip you to take out that one. And if you do it, I'll let you go. But if you don't, you're going to end up like this forest of statues of people behind me. Because I've got these creatures. Like, I've got a pet Medusa over here who's just going to turn you to stone. Right? Right? There's nothing saying that this guy won't do that. And then your party is going to be playing. If you're a good party and he sent you off towards, say, a black dragon who's slowly corrupting the forest into swamp um, with regional effects and, and these two dragons are butting heads, you're now going up to a black dragon and trying to convince a black dragon to not just completely destroy this party, but maybe play a middle ground and have the two dragons fight. Right and 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 play that. That's that's what I want to see. I want to see dragons interacting with dragons. Far too often, dragons are the single. They're small. They're 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 single set piece. Yeah. Why not have you know your party absolutely hand? Let's not say that they they're, they're uh, charmed, but absolutely cowed by the dragon. Go over to the black dragon. The black dragon goes. You saw that guy. We're gonna we're gonna play some tricks here, yeah, right? Because blacks are uh, black dragons are conniving and and sadistic, sadistic and and whatnot, right? So so they're going to come at uh, uh, this territorial dispute in a different way, and that's your campaign. Yeah, is your party 
trying to take down both dragons because they're both evil dragons and you have a good party. I love that, and I'll tell you why. Because I was I was um, loosely designing a campaign based on I said I take ideas from history. Um, in the UK, I don't know if you guys have ever seen. You must have at some point the Welsh flag has a red dragon on it. The story yep. the story is, and someone might out there correct me if I get some details wrong. That that red dragon is symbolic because the the Welsh red dragon killed the English gold dragon. And so I had this idea of these two ancient dragons on the same island in Great Britain uh, leading their armies against each other. I wonder if that's why red and gold are the two highest powered dragons. It may be. They I come, can see it. Yeah. it comes from European folklore and stuff. Of, of these two red and gold ancient dragons leading their armies against each other in Britain or a place inspired like that. Uh, so I love what you're going for there because I think there does need to be more interaction between mm-hmm. dragons. Hyper-territorial, uh, fantastical creatures who are very much aware of each other because they're all legendary in their own way. They all know of each other and they, each one thinks they're better than the other one. Yep. And and there's and there's no reason why the green wouldn't have like a wizard on retainer that it just sits. In fact, there's there's one green dragon in lore that ate a age wizard, like a wizard that specialized in like sapping life from things, and by eating it gained that ability, mm-hmm. which is a weird thing that I love that's not mentioned anywhere else in the lore that they might have this ability. Yeah. But why not? Have him eat a thing that is, like, uh, able to grant boons to the party and be like, hey, you did good this month. Know what? Here's a boon. I think right? we're all thinking along the same lines. And what what I would like to put across is because I like good puzzles. And I think puzzles can are sometimes looked at as too much of, like, oh, this square peg, square hole, what number matches up, whatever. You can make puzzles in social encounters. So I think you can introduce an adult or an ancient green dragon specifically in early tiers because their goal is not necessarily just to kill your party, but to use them, to manipulate them, to deceive them. And this should be the puzzle. How do we overcome this? Or the townsfolk send you with the, the, uh, the boon or the tribute for that month to the green dragon and he says, that's not what I wanted. Now what are you going to do for me? Or that's not enough this yeah. time. So you can make puzzles in these social encounters. And it will be terrifying. I just they love, know they will not win. I just love the idea of like a massive like barn-sized dragon, uh, mall-sized dragon sitting there like slowly spinning a, uh, a, finger, a clawed finger in a lake saying... I've just decided that that isn't going to be sufficient. So, uh, how many children do you have in that village? Yeah. I'm feeling like I want to or eat some youth. I'm having issues with this black dragon. Yeah. I need you to handle. So, basically, in order to win the encounter, air quote, combat is not an option. And I think this makes the exploration side and the social side of the game, you have much more options with this particular dragon. Cool. Yeah. Guys, anything else we'd like to add before we touch on the giveaway and we give our shout out? No, I'm pretty good. There's so much you can do. These this guy is is uh he's a megalomaniac. He is um he's a liar. Diving. Yeah, he's uh, he's Jafar as a dragon. Yeah. Right? Like and I'm into it. I love it. I I think the other thing um uh that uh Actually, you know what? I'll touch on to the next thing. Yeah. I think I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. The, well, uh, remember, the goal is not necessarily to kill the party with the green yeah. dragon. Probably not. If anything, to use No, them. no, yeah. The, the the goal is to subjugate the party with a green. Yeah. Which will piss off the party more than killing them well. Exactly. Yeah. Which is fantastic. Yeah. A white, like we talked about white dragons, a white dragon is going to kill you just because you showed up. 
You know, that's yeah. not going to happen with the Green Dragon. Okay, uh, Adam, do you want to talk about the giveaway? Sure. This is, uh, I believe this is the last week that we are accepting yes. entries for the giveaway. Yep. Um, it Get is, it in. It's the same as it has been for the last few weeks. Everybody, send us a message. Hit us up on Instagram or Twitter or through our email um, or on Facebook and let us know what race, what class, and what background each of the three of us are. So, again, that's race, class, and, and um, background. And we're going to sit down and we're going to talk about our favorite one uh, on the next Mailbag episode, or Mailbag episode number three. And we'll announce the, uh, the giveaway winner then. Um, we're going to uh, actually announce this week what all of the prizes are. So with, with this announcement here, we're going we're gonna to throw that out there and get everybody. There's going to be a mad dash for people to, uh, to, to get their answers in to win all of our swag. Yeah. So, um, so send us a message. Here's where you can reach us. On Instagram, at It's a Mimic. Twitter, at It's a Mimic D&D. Facebook is the It's a Mimic fan page. And our email is info at It's a Mimic.com. So uh, it's pretty straightforward. It's pretty simple, guys. These are the only places we're accepting uh, entries. Correct? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Do not mail it to Dan's house. Dan's address, by the way. No, 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 no. Oh, all right. No, so, we've talked about this. We give them Terry's address. Well, I have a question on all of this because I'm confused on the prizes. Yeah. Are we all supposed to wash this underwear before we sign it and sell it? Send it? No, we all have to wear it without washing it one at a time. I'm going first. Oh, it's it's one set of underwear. It's one we set, all wear yeah. And, and I wear it first. And I'm going to go roll first. Let's roll an issue on the all underwear right, right now. Who goes in order? Oh, shit. i got to get in the box. Uh, mine is No, a... no, no, no. You roll that dice, you cheater. Oh, oh, oh no. This doesn't bode yes. well. Oh. No. Mine is no. a 20. <laughs> Uh, okay, no, Dan, you can't roll my roll, roll. Don't knock mine, you 17, fucker. I am first. Yes, oh God, I was going last. first. I went oh everyone to go first, but now I'm All wearing right, the underwear so second. I'm going for a jog in the summer. That means then you can have it. I know, I'll turn it inside out, yeah. and it's been worn both ways, and then Dan has to I want you to it wear it to one of those clubs you go to on the weekend. We're spending far too long <laughs> on the literal worst part of this giveaway. Anyway, or the best. No, literal worst. A- anyways, <laughs> reach out, let us know. Race, class, and background for each of the three of us, um, and hit us up at one of those four places again: Instagram at It's a Mimic, Twitter at It's a Mimic D and D, the Facebook fan page uh, for It's a Mimic, and info at It's a Mimic dot com. Yep. Be awesome. When I saw the underwear, I actually thought it was an eye patch. So, okay. Uh, oh, I'm going to give a shout out. Yeah, I'm going to give a shout out this week. And uh, you know what? We haven't talked about, to my knowledge, any cartographers uh, no. just yet. So I want to give a shout out to Shin Cartography because her maps her fantasy maps that she creates blow my mind if you if you i don't know if you guys follow shing cartography yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so her handle is at shing dot cartography her maps are available to purchase you can you can uh you can get onto her patreon as well you can email her for commissions they are absolutely beautiful that tolkien style fantasy map and I used to, Adam, I used to love your map. I still do. I should say, I still do. That you Ouch. made for our campaign. Ouch. It's over on the wall right now. And I'm going to post a picture to the story of it, including all of this tape that we have on the walls there. And it is beautiful. But the maps that Shane Cartography makes just oh, blow my mind. Yeah, mine, mine is grade school level. She's a professional. And if you want, because I know sometimes people say, well, art can be expensive things. But it's not really. If you're in a campaign that you're going to be invested in for a long time, if you want some beautiful artwork to represent the world that you're playing in, it's a few bucks between you, and you get a fantastic piece of artwork that you're going to keep for however long you play your campaign. 40 years, if you're lucky, but Shing Cartography. So, Instagram, at Shing.Cartography. Check her out. Her artwork is uh, amazing. Spell Shing. 
S H I N G. Beautiful. Thank you. Don't ask me to spell cartography. It's too much pressure on the internet. C A R T O G R A T. Oh, oh yeah. Yep, that, See, because that' what's happened. It's well, you've been yelling at me for how to pronounce my A's for freaking three months. I get A- I get nervous. I O U. Well, you're Canadian. Okay. You should be able to pronounce A. <laughs> yeah, it's E H question mark right. <laughs> <sighs> Terry, uh, topic three. Hey, oh, funny story. Actually, yeah. I was in Seattle at the weekend when I came. Back. <laughs> no, that's not a funny oh, Why? When I came back over the border, I heard sun- in Vancouver, like it's Seattle Sunday afternoon. Better. I came back over the border on Sunday afternoon. Fight me. And the Canadian border control guy, it gave my stuff, and he asked, "You know anything? You bring anything back over?" And he laid over and went, "Hey, thanks, eh?" And then let it go. And I was like, "Dude, come on, man! You're working twenty feet from the Americans. Don't say that. They already think we say all the time, which we don't. I don't know what they're talking about." Okay. <laughs> uh, okay, are we ready, guys? Topic three: Should we talk campaign usage? Let's. So, uh, would you like me to give you an example of some talking points before we roll? Please. <laughs> uh, we can talk about when to use a green dragon as a BBEG, um, when to use a set piece encounter, when or how to introduce worshippers, could be interesting, uh, and then after that, each of us is going to bring a single new creative idea for a dragon as an NPC, um, and we'll go by rules as written because we can get creative with dragons, but let's keep sure. it inside rules as written, okay? Sure. So, Should no shape changers. Yeah, yeah. Sure. You motherfucker! Fourteen. You both changed my number, I think. There, and and then and Adam double tapped me. On the bright me. side, you're not going last. No, I'm not going last. I'm going no, second. No, no, I I will come last this time. Okay. <laughs> I'll give a fucking one first. So, um, I, this is the this is the best. Spray thing your seed of knowledge all over us, Dan. It's a Jesus family. <laughs> I literally just deep throated a microphone not long ago. Dad. Yeah, but so, that was in the name of entertainment. That was just to be crass. You like a green dragon talking to other dragons. Yeah. Okay, do you see the It difference? means I respect you and assume that you're the same no. status as me. No. <laughs> you're wrong. We're much, much, much. Lower. Much, much, much. Lower. Much, much, much. <laughs> Lower. Much, much higher. <laughs> anyway, so I went first, and the idea um, that I want to touch on is the concept of worshippers. I talked a little bit about kobolds up in the, mm. up in the trees, um, and I uh, spoke a little bit about... You know, subjugating the party. But we touched on it really briefly. We talked about um, Etter Caps. They'll also, for some stupid reason, subjugate Ettins. I don't know why they were yeah. included specifically. Not ogres, not not giants of any kind, but Ettins specifically. That's, yeah, they're reliable. Yeah, that's that's an odd one to me. But I want to talk about the Yuan-Ti. We brought it up really briefly, the Yuan-Ti. Yeah. First and foremost, kobolds um, are always worshipping dragons. Makes sense. I like the idea of a Yuan-Ti sorcerer. And the entire group of Yuan-Ti's, uh, what are they, a tribe or a clutch? Do we know what they clutch. are? Clutch. They're a clutch? Yeah. Um, that's They're clutch. snake people. Yeah. So, uh, but I like the idea of them with the draconic ancestry. So they are slowly growing wings and they are getting the poison breath. And they, because they've kind of got that green, yellow hue to their skin. And they're all like, they've got the abominations that can have the, uh, the head of a snake and whatnot. And now you're adding draconic aspects to them give them sorcerer levels and so all of the worshipers all of the the cult members for the green dragon are already snake based and they're able to um kind of slowly transform into these weird snake slash dragon hybrids and i think that's really interesting it's got a unique um 
aesthetic to it that you're not going to see anywhere else really you can get into the the idea that there is a giant forest i'm thinking like a rainforest now with pyramids you want to pyramids that a green dragon lives inside the biggest pyramid yeah and and it and the you want are going to step in for the mayans or the aztecs or whatever um and and do the worshiping and the the sacrifices and and whatnot gaining inherent magical power because they're consistently breathing in this charming, acrid fog all of the time. And so they have become uh, almost like they're in a fervor all of the time for this green dragon. And they are like the most committed cultists. And it's worked into their genetics now. And they're passing it down. And that's what I want for the backstory for my level 2 UNT sorcerer that I would play as a as mm-hmm. a player. Because I just think that's really cool to then have to go in. I got out of the cult. Now we gotta go back. Now you in. gotta go back. Right. So I don't know. I, for, for, we have to go back. I always think of lost every time it's it's yeah. we gotta go back. <laughs> but um Kate, we, gotta, we gotta go back. To season one when it was good. Um but uh so I'm totally into it. That gives you the big bad evil guy that gives you the worshippers, that gives you a player hook, and it gives you this really cool aspect of being able to grow dragon parts and maybe even get a breath weapon if your DM is feeling generous. Yeah. Right? I think that's a lot of fun. So that's that's where I would come from as a big campaign plot hook for a single player. Yeah. So it's something I would talk about in session zero, but that's definitely where I would go. Yep. Yeah. Love it. Who's any, going to any, any thoughts? No? Oh, no, sorry. No, all, right. So, all right, fine then. I thought that was incredible. No, it was, no. It was good. I didn't <laughs> have anything to add to it. If I was to add anything to that, I would just be polluting your idea. And it was it was good. It was good. It you was, did something similar with the kobolds. In the, in the, well, let's not make him sound like he's not original. No, what, what did I do with the kobolds? Well, the other campaign, before I showed up... There was a dragon on kobolds. There, no, there was there was the green dragon that uh, was enslaving... Oh, he, was, he was bleeding into the lake, and the kobolds <laughs> were diving into the lake to try to become infused with this power. Yeah. And they just they just became super kobolds. And they became I, super kobolds. I needed a reason for some kobolds to have wings. Because I don't like the one out of every however many get a, get a set of wings. And I think that's just weak. Yeah. I want it to be a promotion within the ranks. But it was eventually like this green dragon had an army of these kobolds, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there were thousands of them. Yeah, cool. It's a great idea. Um, I like, I'm going to talk about when to use as a, as a big bad evil guy. Because we talk, I said before, I think you should bring green dragons in if you're going to use them in your campaign early levels because their goal is not necessarily to kill the camp, to kill the party, but to use them. Yet, I would say that eventually the party's going to piss off. Yeah, them. and that's kind of what I'm getting to here, is you now have to walk a fine line, a balancing act of when does the green dragon become the big bad, bad evil guy? When the players fail to please him or almost do it too well. If they reveal something too tempting that the dragon decides that they want or if they show themselves to be too powerful and they need to be removed because they've become a threat to the dragon now. So I would like the idea of the party constantly being on edge of trying to do good but not do too good. 
Kind of like what I was saying a few weeks ago when I was saying I would definitely be a Death Eater, but I would want to be middle management in the Death Eaters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to be the guy that's super, like, overachieving around Voldemort all the time to the point where he's going, hey, let's get fucking rid of this guy for starters. He's getting too big for his wand. Okay? Um, I think it should be the same when you're when you're working with green dragons. Hey, do the job well. Hey, don't be too good, though. Otherwise, then they become the big bad evil guy. I like that stress that you constantly have on your players. Yeah. I, I like the idea of them having to say, we're, we're going to follow, he told us to do this, we're going to do exactly what he said, no more and no less. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and not too quickly. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would play into the fact that the, the green dragon is going to be the one that is least likely to... <laughs> oh, sorry, just real quick, Dan, before you come in. And also the boons and the items and stuff you're getting along the way. Hey, when we go back and we give the green dragon what they wanted, don't go flashing off your new greatsword that you got, by the way. Hide that shit. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I have to take things away from Adam. That's you are a shit. Um, what else? What else are you going to put in front of me? No, 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 no. <laughs> Fuck off, Adam. <laughs> All right. Anyways, no, I would play into the fact that the of all of the chromatic dragons, the green is going to be the one that is most likely to be able to barter, right? Yeah. To 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 gain stuff from without necessarily giving up your life. Like they are the most likely. It's still not highly likely, but it is the they are the most likely. So I would sit there and I would um I would have them not necessarily as big bad evil guy because for me, they're they're imposing. They're great set pieces for big bad evil guys, but like if the end boss of my campaign's a green dragon, and then what do you do after that? Like there feels like there should be something after you kill the green. Um, I would have them just as a set piece, a a um, horribly powerful creature. That you have to bring an offering to in order to gain some sort of information. But first you have to find the item that they want, right? So at this point, this is when you are skirting around. You're trying to uh, find ancient tomes about this dragon and the things they saw. You're trying to find information. You're doing a little bit more of an investigation kind style thing. Um, you're going to go talk to ancient elven tribes that have been hunting this guy for centuries to garner more information, maybe work out a deal with them in order to gain this one thing that he has wanted to bring to him to gain this other piece of information that can, I don't know, close some sort of demon gate or or stop this other cult from bringing their demonic or devilish lord on, or death god into this realm. Like, I would play the more as a, a set piece. And then, just like you just said, Terry, if the party does too well or impresses that, that dragon too much or attracts too much of that dragon's attention, that's going to be a bad thing as well. Mm -hmm. So your party really has to work with the balance, tread carefully. Like There needs to be stuff in lore, in-game... To warn them about this shit. Yeah. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. You can't be sitting back there as a DM behind your your, your screen laughing because <laughs> they keep rolling nat twenties and that'll fuck them. You can't do that. No. Give them a heads up. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and it'll be things like if you make him a a villain in your campaign, well then you have another thing to worry about. Where this dragon's like, well, know what? I really like the shine of your mithril armor. Mm -hmm. I want that now. You're just trying to avoid that. So yeah. like you're sending you're sending your bard in without armor. I love the idea of like, all right, it's time to go talk to the green dragon. We finish the thing. Everybody, go take off all your clothes over in the back. Put on your rags again. Yeah. We so we go in and leave your powerful magic 
guide was behind. Oh, and uh, no, super vulnerable as yeah, well. Yeah, nobody cast any magic. And uh, sorry, the elf has to stay outside. <laughs> and then, and then on top of that, you all get in, and the dragon goes. So I know you have an elf with you because the birds have told me, or the rodents have told me yeah. that you have an elf. So anything you're about to do. Not gonna work out yeah. for you unless you pay extra. Oh, they bring the thing and the stories of the legends of how well they did have already come back through the town. He's saying the townspeople are saying that you're the most powerful barbarian they've ever seen, and are you the most powerful barbarian around? So they're like, oh shit! Here we go. Yeah, yeah, right. Like, wait, wait, wait. Your your the character name. Yeah. Oh, I've heard about you. I like you. You would go well on that wall. They're Jabba the Hut. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. And see, uh, now I want their breath to pickle people. And they just keep pickled people as trophies. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm like I'm thinking like what's our what's your carbonite? Sure. I'm yeah, but yeah. like the white dragon had, had the And then they have like the one feral beast down in a cage that they throw like pesky pesky people who try to overstep their yeah, bounds. The feral beast is a fucking purple worm. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's not a little thing. No, right? no. So, yeah, no, I, I, that's Good cool. I'm, I'm into it. Well, he's a jungle thing, so he's got, like, ty- uh, dinosaurs down in a pit. I'm hungry like, for pickles now. Go. That's... You just want to slip a big wet pickle in your mouth? Dan? That was inappropriate. <laughs> Daniel. Am I not allowed? No, you're damn business. Not once. Okay. I might go burg here on the way home. It's the only way I'm going to get pickled. Uh, you just need to put yourself out there, man. <laughs> <laughs> this is Vancouver, we're a liberal city. You'll be fine. If anyone can find me a golf girlfriend or a good pickle to put in my mouth, <laughs> you let me know. Preferably both. <laughs> Twenty nineteen. You never know where you get these days. Whatever. It's a surprise. Well, we're pretty sure what you're getting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, chaps. Okay. Oh, I guess it's my turn then. Hey. Um, no, Tears. you're done. I went last. No, you didn't. Yeah. What did I talk about then? The big bad evil guy. Big bad evil guy. No oh, shit. All right, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to listen to this yourself, podcast. Hey? Like, my God. Who's running this podcast? Okay, so okay. Well, let's each of us bring a brand new single uh, creative idea for a dragon as an NPC. Rules is written. Sure, Dan. You need to give us the dice box. On the, the dice, dice box, back. Dan. What are you doing, man? Jesus Christ. Superstar. <laughs> Here you go, Terry. Here's your die. Dan, I need my die that you took from me. That you've corrupted with your negative Dan powers. Alright. I'm gonna lick it next time. Roll it. Three, two, one. Suckers. Oh, thanks for knocking me from a 10 to a 15. Ah, it's still a win. Remember, guys, bullies never win. Except no. on this podcast Unless where they do. They're Green Dragon. Yeah. Yeah. That so what's your one unique thing, Adam? Like my, no, 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 you're for Green Dragon. Just I, fucking Green Dragons. Terry, keep your hands the question. I don't want to listen to Dan anymore. What's the... Uh, um, I want a, a single new creative idea for a dragon as an NPC. Uh, we're going rules as written. Uh, as an NPC. Dan is like holding <laughs> things. Like, yeah, as an NPC, unless your thing is some creative campaign in which you can play a, a dragon. Perhaps if it's a single person campaign, they play a dragon and they have to deal with angry townspeople and stuff. I mean, sure. Why not? That's your idea. I'm just giving it to you. Please present. <laughs> that, that, there's my answer. Please present that to the internet. <laughs> so, um, no, I would say that uh, my unique idea for a dragon is an NPC. So, not a big bad evil guy. Someone that you're going to be dealing with on a regular basis. This is a guy that you don't have a king. You have a green dragon running this area, mm-hmm. and everybody there is happy-ish. 
but there's no flocks of sheep. Yeah. There's no big game. Everybody's like, vegetarian. <laughs> <laughs> right? Vegan, but not the choice. Yeah, and so because there is Super skinny. there is no you're, big game. Your party walks in with beef jerky and everyone's just staring and drooling. Like, everybody's white and weak because they don't have any protein. Is it does a vampire live here? Worse, man, green dragon. <laughs> no, but no, your your party rides in on horses and everyone's like, Where did you get the horses? You hide the horses. Yeah. Oh my god, it can smell the horses. Yeah. Send them out into the road. Take all of your stuff off the horses and send them out. Right? Like, this green dragon runs the area and has its own laws. I really want to lean into the idea of it being lawful. It's evil, but it's selfish. It's manipulative for its own gain. Mm-hmm. And it it's like lords and ladies of the court are its hostages. Mm-hmm. And every once in a while, someone tries to escape. Maybe you have an underground railroad to get away from this guy. And every once in a while, he catches them and just fucking eats them. And everybody else has a decent enough life, but they're not allowed to leave. Yeah. And you have this entire kingdom on lockdown. And your adventurers ride in. We haven't gotten any word from this castle over here in the last 30 years. All right, we'll go in there. And there's just like normal people. And, and they're like, hey, so... Tell- super, super nervous, like awkwardly like chopping the vegetables. And yeah. people start talking about what, what's wrong. <laughs> Yeah, yeah uh, and and I just I think that that would be a really cool way to. Uh, we want to go talk to the king. No, you don't. No, no, we want to go talk to the king. He's living. Uh, we're heading to the castle. Talk to the king. That's not where he lives, man. Right? You got to go into the forest to find the king. And you can give them a brand new, interesting way of looking at it, at at the concept of this ancient dragon, and it's ancient, and you're in the lair, yeah. and there are signs that says this way to the king, right? <laughs> and you go in through this maze. And then you finally get to him, and he's like, yes, I am the king. These are my people. Go away. We're happy. They're safe. I'm not leaving. And this is something that you have to deal with now for the rest of the campaign. Yeah. That there's this one that you could go out, and I'm going to give you guys just shit tons of gold pieces left, right, and center. You're going to get expensive armor. You're going to get all sorts of crazy followers and everything. But the green dragon is going to tax you on everything. 20%. Of gold and 20% of NPCs. Yeah. Right? And I think that is terrifying. Yeah. When, when you get tasked with going beyond the border to go out and do other things to kill the black dragon so that the king can expand its region. So you go out and you kill the black dragon and you're beyond the border. Do you leave the people to their fate? Do you risk pissing off this ancient green dragon by running away? Yeah. And when you, when you fall in love with the barmaid and you got married on this on this quest, do you bring her back in? Yeah, right. These are some real questions that you need to ask. And then at the end, you topple the kingdom, you kill the king. That's your level twenty. Yeah, right. And there you go. But you build up to it. So I think that's an interesting end piece. Yeah, I I like that. I'm I'm imagining going to see the king and there's like what used to be the. Uh, champion fighter or whatever is now sort of chained up and is like the the court jester. He's just being made to play like the fool off to the side, you know. And yeah, I I love that. That'd be great. <gasps> love it, Terry. Oh, it was me that was going next. Um, I'm sticking with this whole mob boss mentality that we kind of uh, linked on there. You went king, and I like that as well. But this whole mob boss, and I like the idea of. Maybe because the dragon would be known in the community, people who are desperate enough or ambitious enough would even be brave enough to go and ask for favors from this green dragon. And of course, the green dragon's going to want something. It's going to make some sort of contract 
uh, is going to make some sort of deal with them that they will try and find a loophole and ultimately screw them over. But if you're, whether it be you're just sick to death of your husband and you want him gone, you'll get the ability to do that somehow. Or whether or not you kind of want to become a self-made man or you've been humiliated or you want revenge, whatever. So not necessarily warlock but that kind of mundane mob boss sort of mentality is that can be arranged. I also love the idea of the mob boss of the kings just occurred to me, the NPC that says, you know what, I need you to go deal with this issue. Um, you know, I've done you a favor. I, I killed your wife, yep. right, like for you. Now I need you to do me a favor. You are going to go kidnap this princess. Yeah. Right, and send you, I want this menagerie of, of intelligent creatures. So it's not dinosaurs, it's... It's Mind Flayer. I hate you a little bit right now. Did I just steal your thing? You just stole my thing. Yeah. <laughs> was it your thunder that I stole, Dan? Uh, so, I was thinking, like, you, you've mentioned the king, you've mentioned the mob boss. My whole thing was, like, why not have a hunter's guild? We play a game with guilds all the time. Thieves guilds, uh, adventurers guild. Have a hunter's guild. But the people running the Hunter's Guild are two elves. And these elves are thralls of this green dragon. You and keep saying thralls like they're mind-controlled, but they're actually no, no. Just, just bullied into following. Yep, yeah. yep. Or, 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 or they might be legitimately worshippers of this dragon, right? Like, Stockholm Syndrome is a thing, right? They're not allowed to leave. So what they do is they give contracts and be like, listen, uh, we want you and your party to go and collect us a beholder. We don't know where, but go collect us a beholder. Yeah. Here, and they would hand over a like concentrated version of the charm fog or whatever it is. Like, here is this item. When it is near death, hit it with this item and it will be preserved so that you could bring it here safely and we can have it, right? So now this guy is collecting this menagerie of powerful sentient beings and your party's just collecting it. And eventually you're like, what are you guys doing oh, with you, these things? You made the dragon the guild. Instead of going to the notice board in the guild hall, that that is the dragon is what that is. Is assigning those tasks is what you're saying. Well, the thing is, the way I look at it is a green dragon um, is... They don't really care so much about territory as much as it is gaining power and wealth with as little effort as possible. Yeah. Right? So... You start the campaign level one. You guys are out just okay. We want a, uh, a a albino cobalt. Go find us an albino cobalt, right? So now you got to go find the albino cobalt and bring it back. And you're interacting with these two um, vestiges, basically, of the green dragon. And you start giving them items, and occasionally you start getting glimpses of. The fact that there might be a, a master of webs behind who is pulling their strings. And you start investigating what's That's going on. Why not? <laughs> no. There, there are spiders involved, but like a, 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 a puppet master behind the scenes who's making these guys do their they're, thing. They're puppets? Yeah, why not? Um, it's Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, why not? Just, yeah, why not? So, like, eventually you unveil the fact that this... Green Dragon has been using your party and other parties. This could be a renowned guild that pays well for these uh, for these monsters and these uh, these creatures. Has just been gathering this army that it just has on display in its lair. Yeah. And if you ever piss it off and be like, oh, one, one, one second, 
I want to see how you fare against Beholder. I, you know what? I, I like that. I'm not a big... F- okay, I'm with you up until the... You know what? Rancor Pit, right? And I, I pull back a little bit from that myself only because I want you to then free everybody and deal with a stampede at the end of the fucking campaign. Yeah. You kill the Green Dragon at level 20 and there's a Beholder, two Mind Flayers, uh, uh, fucking Baylor, and like... It's fucking and, and they, Yeah, and they all just come out of nowhere. It's the scene at the end of Cabin in the Woods where the elevator yeah. doors open. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a good fun, movie. That's I think fantastic. I think that's I that's uh, that's a lot of fun. Um, and I I don't know. <laughs> I love the idea as well of uh, from a DM perspective saying go out and get these. I'm not going to give you something to capture it. I as a dungeon master will have code. You as a player need to listen. He's near death. Start doing non-lethal damage, right? Or everybody needs to carry nets. Or we need grappling hooks, or we need right, and so you're consistently capturing and knocking them out, and then transporting them back. But if you do too much damage to it, and it's going to die, you're doing medicine checks. Every creature you kill gets death saves. Yep. Right, and I think that's a really fun mechanic that you guys and, are and, monster hunters. And it's and it is. If only there was a class that had that. <laughs> <laughs> and it is very specific that he wants them alive. He wants these things oh, alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you try to bring him a dead beholder, hell to pay for that. Right, like I, I love the idea of him like turning to everybody and be like, "I need you to bring me a lich alive." And everyone's like, "Okay," and they get outside and like, "Wait a minute." <laughs> <laughs> well, who's gonna go back in and explain it? <laughs> you think I? You don't think I know what a lich is? <laughs> what is a lich? <laughs> you know what I mean! <laughs> <laughs> oh, chaps. Is that it? Anything else before we wrap this sucker up? No. Uh, yeah, I think so. Alright. Um, I don't have anything. I don't have any final thoughts on Green Dragons. I Very like good. them as villains because they're conniving and they're manipulative. And they're going to say, you work for me now. Yeah, and I like them because you can bring them in the campaign at the start and you can keep them all the way through. Yeah, I feel like if you bring in a white dragon, they're just going to go to town. Yeah, that's yeah. they want different things, right? Okay, all right, guys. Okay, well, let's wrap this up. Let's give out our contact information. Then. You can find all of us on Instagram at, at It's a Mimic. You can contact us at info at It's a Mimic.com. You can find me personally at Send Noobs DND. Adam? You can find me at Rusty Styrofoam on Instagram. And you can find me at Oscar underscore the underscore orc. All case. <laughs> okay. Uh, the old Costco joke. Yes. Uh, very funny. Okay, team. Well, thank you very much for joining me tonight to discuss Green Dragons. We will be back next time. Have a great morning because you're usually driving to work. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to It's a Mimic. Check us out online at itsamimic.com or on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have questions you would like answered by the guys on the show? Send them an email to itsamimic at gmail.com. Tune in every Tuesday for more. In Britain, do they call it a bass line? Uh, no, that's no, a, a boss. That's a fish. Well, in North America, apparently you only have three vowels. So did you not get all of this? A, E, I, O, and U. In Canada specifically, O and U are the same vowel. Yeah. Oh, that would explain a lot. Yeah. <laughs> that would explain a lot, actually. Every time I've tried saying the and word... And E and I are fairly similar. I have trouble with Mexican food because it doesn't matter whether I say tacos or tacos. Apparently, I'm still not using the right vowel. No, so. yeah, you're, you're not. Uh, I've, I knew a guy that said tobacco. Um, and he thought... Oh, to- I thought he was talking about tacos. No, no, no. I was like, well, that's fucked up. <laughs> um... But uh, the one that, that I'm hyper aware of right now is people in Canada say, really? R-I-L-L-Y. Really? 
I really enjoyed that. Nobody mm-hmm. says really. Yeah, yeah, really. Yeah, you're, now you're never going to be able to unhear it. Oh, Thank yeah. you for that oh, curse the, the, the upon other, my life. The other week, Dan said plague instead of plague, and it's been, I've been losing sleep over that one. Some people said Vegas instead of Vegas in Canada. We're messed up over here. Yeah. Uh, my, my problem is when people say it's, it's Vegas and not Las Vegas, because it's Why? the full fucking name. It's yeah. like calling Los Angeles, Angeles. No, it yeah, isn't. You call it Vegas because it goes by Vegas and promotes itself as Vegas. The same way that Vancouver promotes itself as fucking Van City for some stupid reason. Drives me up the wall. Van City massive. Rain City bothers me more. Rain, yeah, rain. Because we don't rain as much as we used to. We don't even rain that much, to be honest. I'm from England. It fucking rains all the time. Climate change is a real thing. Yeah. Yeah. No way. Come on. I know we're talking about fantastical ideas and magic and goblins. But climate climate can't change when the world's a disc. Fuck. <laughs> Look, the hey, world has existed for 6,000 we... years, and we know for a fact. Dan, maybe we... we should just send someone to the moon and get them to look down at our Discord. Uh, How are we going to get that, past the chemtrails? That, that actually offends me, because I do believe that the world is flat. So, that does actually offend me that you said that. Uh, you know, and it's you your responsibility. Because you got vaccinated. And because I'm offended. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm offended, it's your responsibility to change what you're saying. So. Oh, fuck. Do you think we pissed off the whole internet? <laughs> Uh, dogs are shit. Yes. Oh my god. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Which one of us is the furry? That's still you. Oh, the worst okay. is the worst is those memes or Twitter things where it's like a list of like random things or like a made up story, and then at the end it's like if you do this, you are the worst kind of person, and it's like accidentally kick a dog or tell someone that their thing that they were excited about was shit. It's like, that doesn't make you the worst kind of person. I can think of a few of the hundred things that would make you the worst kind of person. You could edit a podcast and edit out all of Adam's best bits. <laughs> no, then you're the best type of person who actually gives a shit about their listeners. Okay, anyway. Wow, what happened to us today? We went off on a tangent. Sorry, internet, 